In the White House, President Eisenhower signs the proclamation that makes Alaska's entry into the Union official, nearly 92 years after Lincoln's Secretary of State bought the territory from the Russian Tsar for $7 million. The Alaska Wild Project podcast is brought to you by the following sponsors. The Bait Shack, located on Ship Creek upstream of the bridge. Can't miss the bright red shack. They're the go-to fishing gear rental and guide service on Ship Creek. Tight lines and fish on. Come hook into the action with them. Hit them up at thebaitshackak.com. Lawn Pro AK, your year-round professional property maintenance company, providing services such as weekly lawn maintenance, driveway sweeping, snow and ice management, and tons more. Get your free estimate today at LawnProAK.com. Anchortown Dogs, located at 4th Avenue across from the old 4th Avenue Theater. Look for the blue and gold umbrella. From reindeer dogs to bomb euros, they've got you covered. Anchortown Dogs, your local gourmet hot dog and sausage cart. Menegato's Accounting, locally owned and operated advisory and tax accounting solutions. Passion, experience, diligence. Learn more at menegatosaccounting.com. Double Shovel Cider Company, located off Arctic and 58th. Handcrafted Alaskan-made cider. They also have a tap room downtown on the corner of 5th and E. Check them out at doubleshovelcider.com. Serrano's Mexican Grill, two locations, one on Tudor, one on Northern Lights. The Northern Lights location has their new tequila bar. Check it out. Also see their daily specials at serranosmexicangrill.com. AKO Farms, located in Sitka, Alaska, built from the ground up with concentrates as their single motivation. Find their products such as their sugar wax, full spectrum diamond sauce carts, and more at the Treehouse AK and other dispensaries around the state. Ask your local bud tender about AKO. TheTreehouseAK.com, located at 341 Boniface Parkway, your all-in-one cannabis and CBD store. Ask the bud tender what the strain of the day is to get your 10% off. The Treehouse, where the culture lives. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under the influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For the use of only by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children, and marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. Tailored Restoration 24-Hour Emergency Home Services. Helping Alaskans restore their dreams since 1972. Services include fire, water, mold, post-emergency cleaning, repair, and remodeling. Give them a call in Anchorage, Eagle River, Matsu, or Fairbanks. Hit them up at tailoredrestorationalaska.com. That early one? Yep. The late one? Kevin, you hear that? You know what that was, Kevin? Have you ever heard of a caribou call? <laughs> Have you ever called in a caribou? <laughs> I mean, I've waved a game bag. That's kind of cool. Well, the, the cracking of the opening of a beer or cider works no just shit. the same as the white towel. Really? Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have known that. That's the that's the uh, caribou a, call, secret. the Alaska Wild Project caribou secret. call. Hmm. So, you know, come to find out... It happens to be a black-tailed deer call. Oh, it works for black-tailed deer, I dude? swear to God. I mean, I don't know if it was the deer stopper or if it was the the cherry lau. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was the cherry? Yeah, me, the me and Corman cracked open a cherry lau, like, literally in sync, and it was like, oh, dude, it's going down. <laughs> 43 minutes later. That's it. Bombs, like, o- bombs over Baghdad. They come in real <laughs> slow on the cherry lau. 
I hear I it saw, though from the other side of the valley. I saw a buck raking on a, tr- a a brush for the first time ever. Really? Like a damn moose. Southeast or uh, out of out of the sound. Out of the sound. So yeah. Yeah, big rutted bucks, big thick necks on them. Like the necks are bigger than the heads. Well, you know how the southeast, like Prince of Wales, you know how their mm-hmm. antlers are red from the rubbing. It's from the cedar. Oh, yeah. really? Rubbing on the cedar. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah so that's, that's why you see cool. like a Kodiak buck is be like a deep chocolate brown. Yeah, yeah. The and then two, you look at those. Uh, yeah. You can always tell in pictures. You see the southeast bucks because they're all it's all logging, right? So it's yeah. all cedar. And so yeah, those bucks when they get rutting, they'll. They just do what whitetail do. They'll go up to a cedar and they'll rub it. You'll see cedar trees like, you know, 24 or 36 inches round. Yeah. And just destroyed. Scraped out. So and it that, stains them? And it's that red. It's the cedar, yeah. It yeah. stains their horns, antlers. That's yeah. so awesome. That's so cool. So not by the feed, but by them, like, staining Yeah, it. and actually that'll rub off, too. So, I mean, like, if you were to have a mount of it, it would... You know, I mean, if you just sat there and scraped it, it would come off. Yeah. Mm. But so is that something, like, a taxidermist... You don't Can have to preserve it, really. No. You just, if you if you mounted it or something, it would just stay up on the wall. And it would, just air dry. It, it wouldn't, something. like, change color over time. Yeah. I would definitely keep that, huh. for sure. It was just cool to see. I was like, damn, that thing, dude, it's pissed. He came out, I was like, and I was like, ah. And I was like, fuck, man, I wish I had the camera out. But it was raining. So I was like. Yeah. Raining in the sound. Uh, yeah, surprise, weird. surprise. Yeah. So I literally had the camera rolled up in a towel in a small little roll top, like thin dry bag. And I had it on top of my pack and inside and I had my pack cover on. And I'm just like, man, I just like waiting for, I don't care if it's a five minute window, I'm going to bust it out and throw it on. And I was like thinking about it. And I was like, we might move, you know, see if we can rouse something up. And I was like, spot's pretty badass, dude. And then I was like, all right. Well, don't get right. too much into it. Well, I'm just I'm just saying okay. that I was going to get it. I wish I would have got some footage of it. It was just really cool to watch a, a buck, like, yeah. trashing a tree like a damn bull moose. I've never seen – I've seen videos and whitetails and other stuff, but never in person. And then, yeah, it was just, you know, yeah. some other cool stuff. But anyway, it was just like – I get to say I saw that. Yeah. It's like a first, first yeah. for me out there. And yeah. And if you want to hear more about that, please go to alaskawildproject.com. Become a Patreon member, patreon.com slash alaskawildproject. We will be putting out that story on the Patreon because I guess it turned into a pretty good story. A little nightmare happened there. Um, That is Patreon worthy. The Reinforce doesn't care about you when it gets dark. Let's just say that. No, it doesn't. It does not. It does Mm -hmm. not. So uh, welcome to Alaska Wild Project Podcast, episode 35. Today we have our buddy Kevin Dana from uh, Barney Sports Chalet. Thanks for coming in, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Kevin. We almost had to uh, just go there and lock you in the store and bring the mics there to get you because it's, it's been a busy time. <laughs> what a made sense, yes. <laughs> when is your busy season? All year or just? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, naturally we, you know, grow and grow and in it seems like the last, I don't know, three or four seasons, it just, like, gets busier and busier. But, yeah, I mean, naturally, you've got, uh, I'd say, April, you know, Kodiak bears start popping out mm-hmm. about April. We start to get that non-resident, resident guys going over to Kodiak in April, and then I'd say it just kind of accelerates and hits peak about August. Yeah. 
naturally. And then as August kind of tapers out, it starts a slow descent into obviously goats and back to Kodiak and yeah. uh, for goats and deer and, and brown bear, of course, depending on the year, peninsula. So, yeah, I'd say we're pretty busy through end of October into November All right. most years for for peak season. And then do you do pretty good at Christmas? Yeah, I mean, Christmas is Christmas. I think, yeah, it's, we're yeah, it's more gift cards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's kind of yeah. like, wow, well, I don't really know what he wants, but here, just give him a gift card. Yep. Or, you know, a lot of the, like, specialty stuff, like the Frontier Gear stuff, the stuff you can't get online, get other places, that's kind of where you'll start to see people grabbing jackets and packs and right. pullovers and things like that, that, you, you know, kind of private label stuff. Probably what you guys see with merchandise, it's just Christmas time stuff. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Yep. The Christmas crayon. Yeah. Well, let's start with the um, the history of uh, Barney's. I know a lot of us have been, you know, patrons of Barney's for a long time. Um, and I know that there's a really deep history there that maybe a lot of people don't know about um, as far as like the, the previous, your partner before and how that all started. Let's kind of take it back to like, to like day one. Is that the first location and when did that open up? Yeah. So, I mean, history, pretty simple, really. I mean, there's been three owners. Uh, original owner was Barney. Uh, the guy's name was Barney Seiler. I believe he was a commercial fisherman, started Barney's. It actually used to be a little cross country ski shop. So that's kind of why you still see the remnants of that in the wintertime. Yeah, that's cool. And then, you know, in the summertime, of course, as seasons change, Alaska is what Alaska is, uh, started to do a little bit of backpacking stuff. The store expanded a little bit, uh, same location there on, on Northern lights. The whole time it's been there. The entire time since 1963. Um, fast forward to roughly 1985-ish, about the time I was born, 1986. Um, that's <laughs> when most people that know Barney's, I would say globally, um, Bob Hudson, the uh, second owner, kind of took over, mm-hmm. uh, bought the store from Barney. I believe he moved to Washington or something like that. Uh, I don't know all the details there. but uh, And then kind of started to put, you know, the the sheep hunter spin on on the Barney's selection. So, I mean, just... I mean, truthfully, Bob was one of the original guys when you look at, you know, what we have nowadays in terms of Sitka, Kuyu, First Light. Um, he was really the first to grab a lot of that mountain, high-end mountaineering product and start to bring it in for what he loved to do, and that's sheep hunt and yeah. just hunting in general, I'd say. So, um, you know, slowly started to integrate that, partnered up with a couple different brands, obviously, to do some private label stuff. That spun into over the years, kind of him doing his own thing, making his own products. Uh, kind of fast forward into, I'd say, 2009, 2010. Um, I was guiding in the Brooks Range. I used to guide for sheep up there, caribou, Arctic grizzly. And uh, just naturally, I grew up in Anchorage. I mean, I grew up, uh, I went to Chugach High School. Um, Chugach. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, was sitting in a guide camp and one of the guys there was wearing a Barney's jacket and I'm like, Hey, you know, what is that? And he goes, Oh, you never heard of Barney's before. And I was like, no. And, uh, he's like, yeah, you know, we get a little discount there. They make some cool stuff. Go check it out. And I just happened to walk in, uh, one day after the season and, uh, I saw a friend there, uh, that I had, you know, a longtime friend and kind of struck up a conversation with them. And I don't think I really even bought anything that day, but, uh, asked if they needed any help. And next thing you know, I'm working there full time and kind of fell in love with just the, it's easy to do obviously, but then, you know, the custom products, things to that nature, uh, 
just kind of spun into more of a, you know, managerial role and talking over with my wife a little bit and kind of just sat Bob down and just said, Hey, you know, obviously Bob had some health issues. Uh, I think we all know that at least if you did kind of interact with him, uh, and just kind of turned into a great opportunity for both of us. I mean, we, we didn't really know much about business and of course he taught me as much as you can teach somebody, uh, without just kind of setting them loose and going. And here we are. So, you know, not a, not a real lengthy history, but certainly kind of a staple I'd say for, you know, guides, outfitters, hunters in general, who just, uh, kind of want that, you know, a little bit better gear, maybe a little bit more in tune with chasing the, the tough critters around. Yeah. So, so you said that, um, when you first saw, um, your buddy wearing a Barney's thing, was it frontier gear or was it actually correct. Barney's? No, correct. Yeah. It was a frontier gear, a super cup jacket. Uh, okay. just one of the, <laughs> one of the custom products that, uh, Bob kind of created and never seen it before. I grew up here. I mean, I never had walked into Barney's before. Yeah. So you're right. He really, Bob really was one of the originators because back then there wasn't QU and First Light and, and Sika and all yeah, this no other, way. and all this mm. other stuff. I mean, yep. it was almost like them and North Face. You bought either mountaineering gear or yes. the one Barney's backpack, the the frame backpack then. and that Or Cabela's too. Cabela's had mm. a frame backpack back I had to order back some then. stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was about it. <clears throat> yeah, there's actually a funny story that uh, Bob told me that, you know, I ended up, I had a, I had the pleasure of sitting down multiple times with Jason Harrison, uh, Jonathan Hart. Those are the co co-founders of, of Sika gear and got to really kind of hear their story, but, you know, uh, to kind of give Bob even some more credit, um, we do the trade shows, right? So we do mm-hmm. Dallas Safari club, Safari club international in Vegas, wild sheep show. Um, and those are really big, you know, markets where, you know, it's kind of, the best of the best, you know, during the, you know, winter time we travel and do those things. Well, Jonathan and Jason back in the day walked up with some samples, uh, to Bob and said, Hey, you know, we, w- we'd like you to look at this stuff. Um, this is kind of what we, w- what we're planning on doing mm-hmm. and, uh, kind of wanted to get Bob's take on, you know, Hey, uh, what do you think? You know, how do you think it'll go? And geez, look where it's taken us. I mean, it's changed hunting. Yeah, uh, it's so, just skyrocketed. I mean, skyrocketed, yeah. I mean, brand after brand after brand of just, I mean, you, I get on my Instagram and it's like every week there's a new brand popping up. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it stemmed from these two guys, you know, who you could argue, you know, saw what Bob was doing really um, and maybe just took it to the next level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, and they really did an awesome job with it, I think. Yeah. What a cool connection. Yeah. <clears throat> that those guys that are, you know, huge multi-million dollar companies who to the at the drawing board stage were working with bob or yeah. talking to bob conversating right. with bob about gear it's pretty cool and um kevin i had a note i wanted to uh, finish up here your um transition with bob on the barney's uh what year was that so you said oh nine ten you were guiding and then like right. working so, so yep uh 2015 is when the paperwork got signed, okay. um, you know, and naturally we did that pretty quiet. I mean, I think, uh, sure you know, seems like it as a customer. Yep. You yep. wouldn't have known. And the I difference. think a lot of that is, you know, you take a look at, you know, it's one thing to start a business. It's another one to, to, you know, 
buy one that's been established. And, you know, naturally you think starting one potentially is, is a little bit tougher. Um, and I think they have equal, equal challenges. So, I mean, I've never started a business, so I won't speak to that, but I will say that one of the challenges is that, uh, that kind of built in clientele, mm-hmm. right. And, and you look at, uh, it's a weird dynamic, but you look at really the heart of, uh, some of the big spending that happens, right. When you get these guys that are coming up on big hunts, right. It's not the 18, 19 year old guy, right. Um, it's no. the, you know, it's the 50, 60 year old mm-hmm. guy that's, you know, dentist, got, doctor. Yep. In or the prime you know, of his in, like financial career where he can actually like drop the bomb. Yeah. And, 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 and to be fair, you know, one of my first cl- uh, clients I ever guided for sheep was a guy that, uh, he owned a school bus company. Uh, he bought one school bus and then he bought two, then he bought three. Next thing you know, he got the contracts for his local school districts and he saved his, he saved his whole life for that hunt. So there's, there's definitely two ends of the spectrum, but I think the point is, is that the delicacy of that, of, you know, there's a whole generational gap between me, um, maybe the young up and coming guy and a guy like Bob and all the people that he attracted. So, Mm. I think it was really important to, you know, especially for him, you know, and I think, you know, that's the delicacy of, of, uh, buying a business from somebody who's run it for 30 years mm-hmm. is it's very tough for them to let go. Right. And I was very mm-hmm. respectful of that. And I think that that was part of our plan was to keep that clientele, to avoid as many question marks of like, what's the stability going forward looking like. And even after doing all of that, I still dealt with it. So there's still, I mean, you look at me and, you know, some of these guys that have done way more than all of us combined in this room, you know, next thing you know, they're asking me for advice on gear and they're kind of like, you know, who is this guy? Uh, what does he know? What's he done? Um, and so I deal with that quite a bit and and that's kind of why, you know, we did what we did. We kept it pretty quiet. We kept him involved as long as we could. Um, and I think that it was important to that transition. Yeah. Thanks for sharing it. Uh, I've always been curious, Myself, because as a customer, I started shopping around like 14 and <clears throat> I have a close friend who knows Bob closely, Hap Santoro, and he spoke very highly of Bob and he, I think, is one of those original old school 70s, 80s mountain hunters Yeah, that were like, he went to Bob's store three, four, day, four times a year and picked up gear or upgraded gear or just went in there to chop it up. And the transition to me seemed beautiful, seamless and smooth. And it sounds like with the respect of his tenure there and how that worked, like it went exactly. Well, I'm sure there was some vetting, some vetting on his side too. Like Mm -hmm. here, here you come in and you're working summer after summer, you probably see your dedication and sees that, you know, kind of what you're talking about and that you're going to kind of respect the history of, of his clients and all that stuff. And so I'm sure that went into his mindset of deciding who he's going to kind of pass the torch off to. Do you feel? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, and I think, uh, to be fair, uh, you know, it's a lot of work. It's a lot Mm. of responsibility and you have to have the right mentality. Um, I think, you know, to, to take on something like that. And I mean, I'm not saying I was perfect at it, but certainly, you know, it's crossed my mind. I mean, I got to start kind of, looking for something like that. You know, I'm going to look for one of me over the course of the next 20 years. Right. Yeah. And I would say that that's a, it's not just about, you know, somebody that might be interested in it. You know, there's a lot of people that are interested in it. I mean, 
uh, I get people all the time. They're like, oh, well, yeah, if you ever think about maybe selling this place or, you know, I'm taking on a partner, like, let me know. It's like, dude, you got no clue, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's one thing to like want to be in there and be in the environment and have fun. It's mm-hmm. easy, right? It's like being in here. Um, you know, if this is what we got to do every day, it'd be kind of cool. Right. But there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes and yep. a lot of risk. And, um, I think that it takes a certain type of personality. And again, I'm not saying that I'm the perfect, but I was able to adapt at least. Right. So I, I think there was plenty yeah, of people well said, I think there's a plenty of people before me that were maybe interested uh, and maybe even were good candidates. Um, but, you know, I think that, uh, you know, Bob was looking for just the right person and, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, we had our beefs, right. I mean, <clears throat> like everybody, you know, you hang out with the same person for too long, you're going to have your beefs and, I think at the end of the day, because we were able to have these, you know, disagreements to an extent where, yeah, it was ugly, right, at times. But then we were able to, like, you know, give each other a big hug and, and you know, we had the same goal. The yeah. end goal was still the same yeah, no, matter what, no matter what the argument was. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's very similar to, you know, friendships, you know, good friendships in general. Is they take work. They take time. You know, yep. they're going to fall apart a few times. But uh, ultimately... Uh, I would say that obviously I'm very grateful for the opportunity and it's allowed me to, you know, honestly, as much as I gripe sometimes about being busy and, you know, it's overwhelming and it's a lot of risk. I I don't really feel that way deep down. Um, I really enjoy it and uh, it's a lot of fun. And if uh, it all comes crumbling down, it does, man. I mean, I'm going to do my best until, uh, you know, the very last day, but it's a lot of fun and I get to work with a lot of good people. I mean, as we sit here today, it's like like like-minded people that enjoy to do the same things and, and to remind yourself there's more uh, to life than just, you know, every, everyday jobs. Right. I mean, I think Mm. we all, we all can agree that uh, you got to get out and have a good time, you know, and that it can cure a lot. Yeah. Well, anything that becomes successful, and I think we we broached this on a, on a different podcast. Um, whereas, like a lot of people will maybe go to the cidery and they see that you're up there serving ciders, but what they don't see is the seven a.m. when you're in the back dealing with you know all these all to make the cider and cleaning up the stuff, or or me cutting the onions, or you mm-hmm. know all these things that go in the background. Yeah. Whereas, like you might see the front of it, you know, but just know that in the back there's three other jobs that need to happen every single day and it's not always sunshine and always like fun like let's try on some new clothes like someone's got to do the ordering someone's got to clean the shop up someone's got to pay the rent someone's got to do all these things that go into being a business owner right right? you know certainly yeah and i would say to add to that i mean i think the and you would probably agree uh probably one of the most difficult things especially in today's day and age is uh finding help yeah Finding good help that not only is uh, quality people, but you can trust them. And in my line of work, it's, uh, I I don't want to say it's worse or better than anybody else's situation, but you know, all my help, what do they love to do? Yeah. Play outside. And when does, (laughs) when is our busiest time of year? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so, um, you know, honestly, if I can get one hunt in a year, like just one, that's all I ask. Right. One, (laughs) if I can do a fly out hunt, Watch the plane fly away. Uh, give me ten days, and I'm good awesome, for, for the next reset for the next year. I'm yeah. good. Yeah. But if I don't get that, you better watch out, right? Uh, <laughs> no, no. But you know, somebody's I think working even, overtime, right? <laughs> even uh, even my wife, you know, she's she sees it, and I think you know that's the 
that's the big picture is whether it's your kids, your wife, your, you know, good friends, if you've got lucky enough to have them, um, they all can tell, you know, it's yeah. like, mm-hmm. I, uh, I'm busting my butt from April to, you know, end of August. And my wife's like, you got to go do something, right? That's right. You got to, you got to yeah. get out mm-hmm. you got to go and you got to reset and, and not just for her or not just for yourself even. And sometimes it's just the perspective, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I think we've all been there, you know, you're, you're so eager to go, uh, and you wait all year to go. And then you find yourself sitting in the tent on day two and you're kind of hugging your pillow. Like, I want to go home. I want to see my kids, you know, the weather sucks. Um, and, uh, that's good. I think it's good for everybody to, to kind of be away and realize that, you know, there it's, uh, it's great to get away, but I think, uh, the perspective of like what you're, what you have when you do get home. Yes. Uh, and, you know, I think it helps me. I don't know about, you know, everybody else, but I know when I come home, um, it's like, okay, you know, I've had a chance to think about all those times where I'm looking at my watch going, is it bedtime yet? Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, am I going to survive? When's mom coming home? Um, when I hit those times after the hunts, that's kind of when I realize that, you know, it's not so bad. And yeah. mom can, mom can, you know, she can take a little bit longer and, and those times with the kids and, you know, just being home in general, it, uh, it makes it all a little bit more enjoyable. Yeah. It You're kind of swells that appreciation. Yeah. yeah. Re-energize yeah. swells the yeah, appreciation of all that. Yeah. And you it. got two freshies, right? <laughs> you got two fresh kids. Yeah. Well, I got, uh, so I got three, right. Uh, the girl, Wyatt, she's uh, four and a half. Then I got the two and a half year old, um, and then the new one is nine months. So yeah, it's uh, and no, no more. All little guys, man. That's, don't, yeah. That's well, we talked about yeah, this. Yeah, no we more. talked about this. There's a guy here in town that does it. Get that full, <laughs> get that full <laughs> a couple of them. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Good yeah. for you, man. <laughs> yeah. Seven months later, I wouldn't make sure that there's going to be no more. Yeah. After yeah. just weeks of weeks of like, did you get a check? Did you get a check? Yeah, did you how, get a check? How many yeah. times do we have to talk about that? Yeah. <laughs> On the way to way into a hockey game, after you have three kids, you're not showing me a picture of t- two twins in the belly like another guy <laughs> yeah. we play with or used to play with. Oh yeah, he's, he can't play no more. Oh yeah, he's, he's, he's got five of them. <laughs> that was really cool. You shed light on that perspective part because, like, I always felt like I remember being a single guy and going out on a trip and coming home. And there's really cool aspects of being a single guy and not having a family life and all that freedom. But when you can come home to a house that's lit up in a warm bed, and kids and a wife that wrap their arms around you when you get home, I mean. You're right. It's it, it's different than the buddy that goes home to his apartment with yeah. no one there. And but he's he calling just, you a week later, ready to go out or whatever. He's going out on yeah. another hunt because he's he's open and free, and that's cool, man. I, I like envy those guys too. But I'm saying the you kind of re you 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 relearn <laughs> over and over how thankful you are for what you have with family and loved ones when you go out in the woods and you get that perspective like kevin said yeah absolutely it just is like every year it's like it reminds me every single time and it's usually about day five or six for me (laughs) exactly get in there and the mission and you're doing it and then you're like have a day to reflect whether it's weather or just a bad day or maybe you and the the homie on the hunt are like just not feeling it and you're not jiving or whatever it is you know what am i doing out here just be at home with my beautiful family yeah <laughs> you're just like wait a minute yeah. i want to kill a bull so let's get this done but it just no it's i love it man it's it's a, i'm glad you brought that up yeah and you know i mean the, <clears throat> the other part of that is i think 
you know, we get uh, a lot of, a lot of people in that, you know, see me in the store all the time. Right. And, and, yeah. uh, every time I've been there, a lot of young guys, <laughs> right. A lot of young guys like me, maybe a little bit younger, but more in, in the sense of, you know, don't quite have a family yet. Don't quite have mm. kids. And Adventure I think, boys. and I think that naturally they, um, you know, people always kind of talk about, you know, the old saying is, is, you know, when you have kids, it changes things. And I think we all as hunters kind of go into it like, no, it's not going to change things. Yeah. Like, you know, we're, oh, yeah, no. we're going to be the exception. Right. Um, and, uh, I get the people that come in that are kind of like, oh yeah, I guess you don't get to do much hunting, you know? And they make the comments kind of like, oh yeah, you're always in here, you're always working. That's, that's kind of the caveat to, to work in here. And, and, you know, almost like they kind of feel bad for me. Right. And, and I, I think it's kind of cool, I suppose. But, you know, if the difference is, is for me, is just like I said. I mean, I think that, you know, for a lot of those guys being single and, you know, I, I think it's great. They're getting out there doing four or five hunts a year. I remember the days. Um, and it took four or five hunts to fill to fill the void, right? right? It, it, right. For me to feel like it's doing I that. did what I needed to do, you yeah. know, and I, I accomplished what I needed to accomplish. I think having the family, having the kids at home, it uh, it made it to where, man, if I can just get that one hunt in where it's all all just me, the mountains, whatever it might be, right? If I'm lucky enough to harvest something great. Um, and, you know, even my wife sometimes, she's like, well, you didn't, you didn't get a sheep, you know? Like, I'm really sorry. I'm, I'm, I yeah. wish you, wish you could have got one. And, it's not you know, about that, it's babe. not about that, you know? And I think that, uh, I think that, you know, being being hunters as we are, uh, going out there and and really feeling what it feels like to have the reset button, right? To just it's mm-hmm. it's pressed, right? I mean, we're good. We don't even have to get anything. We're good, right? Yeah. Now, if we kill some, it's like okay. Now we're now we're real good. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's it's tough to explain that I think to people the people that haven't you know, that don't have the ability to go. Okay, what you know? What am I missing? Yep. You know, they're not missing anything, right? Yeah. They're missing cold pizza and, and uh, you know, an empty bed. <laughs> yeah. um, it's like, it is, it's man. as if your void is smaller. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, yeah. it takes more, right? When you're, yeah. when you're younger, it takes more to kind of feel like you've accomplished what you needed to accomplish. For me, it's, it's, uh, it doesn't take long. It doesn't take much. And yeah. I mean, if I can get one hunt in, you know, I don't mind. I don't mind working the rest of the year. Yeah. It, uh, it means more. It does. Like yes. when we, when we broke out, you know, we're starting up the cidery. I was working on the slope. Jerry's working on the slope. We're on opposite schedules. We come home from the slope and, you know, we're working 80 hour weeks. I have a new family when we're, when we started this out. And before then, you know, I had two weeks off. I was fishing or hunting or doing whatever I wanted, skiing 40 days a year. And all that cool stuff was not as cool. And now when I get a sneak away today to fish for one day on the upper Kenai or like, you know, go skiing or get out on a hunt, it just means so much. Absolutely. And you just are like, you get spoiled with it. And I'm glad that I've been put in the position where I have to like, okay, pull it all back together and respect what we're doing. And then what happens is when every step you take, you're mindful when you're out there. Mm. Yeah. And I, and I think for you two that have really young kids still, like the coolest part is still coming. Like right now, my son is 10 and I enjoy, I enjoy more just to watch him go on the river and fish and just sit and watch him just swing that rod more than any animal or any oh, fish yeah. I would ever catch or anything, no matter what it is, just to see him smile and be there and look back and see that I'm right there, like that moment right there, that's it. 
like yeah. trying I could to just just to get that one like, trying oh, to figure yeah. it out like when once those kids are a little bit grown like that's all that's gonna matter yeah. you know what I mean and then then that's it that little void like you don't want you're trying to fill his little void like he wants to go do that or she wants to go do that and then once they're able to figure out whatever yeah. it is whether it's they want to go ski or they want to fish or they want to hunt or whatever they want to yeah. do and they just get to do that and then they go back and look at dad and be like oh man my dad brought me out here yeah. they say mm-hmm. thank you yeah that's it dude you're just like Shh. I won. That's it. I can go yeah. back to work now. Yeah, I win the dad trophy to today. Yeah, the, the best is still to come. Yeah. Or you could be like Wes Canfield and take your kids at your your kids' age hunting. That's it. He came in and Sarah and Wes had taken what they're like five and six. Yeah, that's that's crazy. That's a lot. Little guys. They're little guys. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, to moose I mean, uh, you know, we took my daughter when she was like uh I wanna say like ten months. Oh, really? Uh on a blacktail hunt in Prince William Sound. And, uh, wow. you know, I could sit here and say like, hey, we did it, put her in the back, <laughs> put her in the backpack. We put earmuffs <clears throat> on her, you know, we showed her what being true Alaska is all about. Yeah. It's freaking awful. <laughs> uh, I mean, didn't see a damn deer. She's crying the whole time. It's raining. And, you know, I think, uh, we see a lot of that. And I think it's great. I mean, there's, there's parents that do a far better job in my opinion than I do getting their kids out every weekend. I mean, younger kids than mine and like getting them experiences, um, and I'm just over here trying to survive. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, totally. I, uh, we took her out there, and, you know, it was cool when we got home to look back and be like, hey, we did it, right? Yeah. But was it worth it? Um, <laughs> it probably was, yeah. but I also yeah. think at the same time, like, I could have spun it any way I wanted other people to see it. I could have showed just the pictures of her in the pack and, yes. like, oh, yeah. like, deer hunting, and it was awesome, and you know, we're true Alaskans, our kids, you know, growing up right, doing it right. You know, that's not reality. Yeah, reality no, totally. was, it's like, she's crying the whole time. Uh, we didn't see a damn deer and, uh, it's raining. We're trying to keep her dry, trying to keep her warm. We don't Half, post halfway dangerous. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely. And All so, I mean, again, I, I kudos to anybody that's able to do that with those young kids, but, uh, I'm looking forward to when they're a little more self-sustainable. Like, you know, my daughter's starting to get there and, and like you said, I, I think the the good times are yet to come. Mm. And I also think that, uh, you know, it's like I asked my daughter, like, do you remember that? You no, know, no, no, no. I remember no. that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I remember Definitely. how awful it was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, I mean, again, I, I think uh, getting them out, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And I think to your point, um, I don't think it'll take much. I mean, even today, it's like we go in the backyard. Yes. And I see them climbing trees or, you know, playing in the leaves or you know, whatever, we got some chickens and stuff. They're like playing with the chickens and, and, um, I'm only home for an hour and a half before they go to bed. Yeah. So I'm like, get your stuff on, let's go. We're going outside. And, uh, that hour and a half is my whole day. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's like, Hey, I, I, I got them outside. They had a great time. We, we got to see the sun go down and, you know, that's reality with working is you don't get a, you know, a lot of time with them. But an hour and a half if, is, uh, is if all that's all I get, then we're going to yeah. make the most of it. You'll take that's it. That's better. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You'll own that one. Yeah. yeah. And, funny. And, go ahead. Sorry. I was just thinking about when he was saying how I think 20 years from now, you look back on that trip with your kids and you'd be so glad you did it. Because it'll be like really a, a fun right. memory to like joke about. Like, oh, I was miserable, wasn't it, honey? <laughs> <clears throat> and it's like if it went perfect, I don't know that you would have remembered it. Like that's, that's fair. The 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 trips that are the hardest, I'm starting to learn. I'm almost forty, and I've been playing in the woods my whole life, pretty much. That the stuff I'm remembering the most are the is the hardest ones, the shit that went wrong, where <clears throat> the kids didn't 
like cooperate or like they didn't have the per- picture perfect Instagram story on it. Yeah, I was like, no, no, no. This was like pure misery through and through. Yeah, but I got a few good angles and sh- shots that made it made it look really good. But I find that they are more memorable and stick with you. And as your kids get older and their memory bank gets stronger, they'll remember the stuff that was like, man, remember when I got that four-wheeler stuck for like 10 hours when we got back to the truck and it was dark? <laughs> you know, they, they'll remember that versus that like routine run that was just smooth and good and it was a beautiful day and it was another right. trip, you know? Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah one so, my, my favorite memory growing up uh, of that misery was like coming home from a moose hunt. We had two. It was like my dad and Joey who rode us on the and my brother and i were young and uh get the two moose out was super hard getting them out on four reelers we they weren't the big ones that you know that we got now it was all and then the trailer (laughs) breaks on the way back and so we had to go wake some dude up in glen out in the middle of the night to get you know all these parts for the trailer well joey's sleeping under the other trailer and i get back and my dad's like go check on joey you know and i go up and like go look under the (laughs) trailer and there's this dude Yeah, pretty much. He's a director, you know. There's this dude sleeping under the trailer, and you're like, that's, it's pouring rain. And you're like, that fucking sucks, dude. And he just did this, you know. Yeah. But that's what, uh, yeah, so those suck trips. But you remembered it very well, though, didn't you? Oh, yeah, man. You yeah. do remember the worst. Like, I told you. Speaking about memories, I mean, my one with my dad is we were out hunting caribou on the toke, and he ended up, like, doing a bad shot on this caribou and, like, hit its leg, and this thing, like, ran off. And he decides to to go chase after it yeah and you know my dad was uh, a soccer referee and so for some reason dude in his like backpack he had like a the linesman like the red the flag the oh, red flag yeah. so he hands me the red flag he's like guide me to where it's at and i'm like okay you know what i'm saying he yeah, just yeah. takes off in the woods and i'm like doing these signals like going like this <laughs> and like that but when you're far away it just looks like you're just like waving it and he's just going off and i just remember he was gone for like three hours and i'm just like watching him and then i lost him and he's like what happened and he came back and never got the caribou right unfortunately but i will never forget like yeah his anger you know what i'm saying of like why didn't you guide me the way i was like what do you mean i had like this little red soccer reef soccer flag like what do you want me to do with the training yeah Yeah, like you should have taught me that (laughs) yeah we didn't do a tutorial on what we were yeah Yeah, exactly yeah and i'm just like in the back with the 30 30 and my and my thing on the little you know the lever action with no scope just like yeah exactly i'm gonna do something with that on the suzuki haunt on the suzuki king quad with the blue chair remember that one with the three gears oh yeah yeah, the 300 Best machines made. Yeah, yeah, those, those are yeah, Billy goats, yeah. dude. I'm, I love. I we have, uh, we have three of those. Oh, still. you still oh, you use guys? Them? Yeah, um, yeah, two of them are running good. Yeah, yeah, they, their plastics are all zip tied up, and you know the seats are. I think my brother actually redid two seats on the two and rebuilt carburetors and got them running. But we we bring them all out to Gary's and none of the kids want to ride them because they get throttle thumb because those fucking oh, those yeah. throttles are so oh, yeah. like stiff. stiff. Yeah, they're they a perfect a learning spray. machine for a kid. But man, after about forty five minutes an hour, it's like, Dad, and they just like forearms locked up. You can't like, close ah. your hand. <laughs> <laughs> I love those though, man. <laughs> they Kevin, like, what's they your suck too. story from growing up? My what? You got a suck story from growing up? A sex story? A suck. Oh. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah, what's your... <laughs> like, this trip sucks. Like, like, this, this was shit a su- just got weird. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, please Annie, don't turn go. the lights yeah. down. <laughs> you know, I mean, I... <laughs> that was awesome, Kevin. My, uh, that was awesome. My, uh, I don't know, my story is a little, the sex a little story different. sex story with Kevin I, Dana. Yeah. <laughs> 
Patreon. I knew, I knew Sign up were, for Patreon. I knew there was something. <laughs> um, Too good to be true. You know, I didn't. Uh, I grew up. I grew up. Uh, you know, my mom pretty much raised me. Uh, I didn't have a dad that really hunted, and my mom never hunted, and and uh, you know, even fish for that matter. I kind of just had to self-taught, and I was super interested in. It. We lived in Peters Creek, and I pop off the hill here and run down to the creek and do some fishing and uh never really got to go on a lot of big extravagant trips uh growing up but you know I kind of made my own as I got old enough I mean I remember you know I started out you know small game hunting like most guys and duck hunting and things like that and going out after school and middle school high school and not even sure if it was legal for me to be out with a gun by myself but probably not you know, I mean, I got a, a lot of just a lot of stories, of course, of, you know, anytime you involve four wheelers, uh, swamps, yeah. Moose, and you, um, yeah, it's and yeah, not a lot you know, of experience. Just, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, uh, the reason I got into guiding, I think was cause I didn't have a lot oh, of those, yeah. a lot of those, you know, foundational memories with, you know, growing up with my dad, taking me moose hunting or caribou hunting, you know I mean? I see a lot of these guys that killed three or four sheep before they were like 16, you yeah. know, and you're just like, Whoa, you know, uh, man, I envy that in a sense. Cause it's just like, I didn't have that. Right. Yeah. But, um, I think to each their own, I think it kind of made me kind of want to learn, really learn. Right. Yeah. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, the first year I went up into the Brooks range, um, we had a, we had a client that, uh, this is one of the funniest stories slash scariest stories. You know, but it gets pretty pretty crazy up there with uh, rain. I mean, it start raining, and and uh, those rivers come up pretty quick, yeah, right? Yeah. And uh, we're coming across, we're coming back, uh, crossing the same stream, and you know, I've got a sheep on my back, and it's my first time up there, and I mean, I mean, I'm just packing right at that point. So there's a guide and there's a client. I didn't shoot it, um, but I'm super stoked to yeah. be you know 100 pound load and just part of it, and just part it. of it, yeah. And yeah. The uh, the client's got his got the horns on and we're crossing all these braided streams and it's pretty murky, right? So you can't really see anything. And, uh, you know, you're kind of playing the foot game. You're yeah. It's for four how, sticks. Yeah. You're trying to figure out how, how uh, deep it is. Sounds familiar. Doesn't it? Dan? And, um, <laughs> you know, I can see, I literally we had a wall tent set up. I could see, you know, this is like a 16 mile pack out. Holy and, shit. And, uh, dude. we had a, you know, like a live in, not live in, but you know, he'd be there the whole time at the yeah. cook tent. So I can see the smoke coming out of the yeah. tent. I'm like, it's <laughs> oh, yeah, right, there, right, right there. <laughs> and um, so I kind of got to a point where we were trying to stay dry, and and uh, I just went for it. I was like, I'm this is like one last channel. It's like, you know, 12 feet wide. And um, I go across. Of course, I went over my, like, glacier sock setup, you know, that I – I had gotten from Barney's, but I didn't know Barney's existed. <laughs> um, and um, I look back, and about the time I look back, the client is about halfway into this pretty decent raging stream, and uh, kind of just start to see it all unfold. He's got his pack buckled, uh, which oh, is the big shit. no-no, right? Yeah. And I didn't know that. I didn't. It's not my job. I'm just a packer. Yeah. And uh, Sherpa. And he goes down on one knee in the middle of the stream and by the time I could get my pack off, he was already face down. Oh no. Big heavy pack mm -hmm. on, right? Face down, floating down. Oh, oh shit. Oh, and uh <gasps> and so I mean my first instinct was, well, let's go get him. We're run out there. So yeah. I jump in and, you know, flip him over and and uh 
for some reason we both just start laughing and uh he's soaking wet we wash up on a on a river bank you know or on the bank i'd say probably like quarter mile down trekking poles are broke (laughs) you know he's got he is is bruising all over his legs and uh full yard sale i shit, mean just, just uh, everywhere right sheep store. and uh <laughs> you know the first thing i checked was I, the ram still in there because <laughs> yeah, yeah. we just done hauled this thing for you know forever. oh it better be there and um it was there and we he, he's soaking wet i'm soaking wet and we look upstream and there's the assistant guide kind of going like what are you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that was kind of like my first introductory to like, well, what if that would have happened 14 miles ago <laughs> when the wood stove wasn't going? <laughs> right. And, uh, yeah. Unbuckle your pack before you cross the stream, you know? And so these are just some of these uh, real, like right out of the gate, initial lessons that I got to learn with, with, I mean, that whole, that whole first year up there was just phenomenal. But, you know, I, I wish I could say I had a lot of, a lot of great, you know, stories growing up doing it, but it really didn't, it really didn't kick in for me until I was probably, you know, 15, 16 years old. Yeah. Not mm. that I didn't do some hunting before then, but more or less just cause you know, the means to, the means to go out. And, uh, and again, that's kind of why I got into the guiding thing is it's like, I want to go up there. I want to learn. Right. Yeah. And I was so fortunate. I, I feel so grateful that, you know, I think there's different ways to learn anything, but, um, I look back, you know, as, as I sit here today and, the most grateful thing I have is the guy that taught me sheep hunting was all about the sheep, right? Yeah. It wasn't the fluff of the modern day, right? It was purely conservation and, hey, we've got this little section to hunt mm-hmm. and we got to manage it, right? Right. And you're going to, you know, you're going to learn how to age. You're going to learn how to look at for mature, mature animals, whether it's a caribou, a grizzly, doesn't matter. This is not a killing game. Yeah. You know, we're not just up here to kill stuff. We're up here to like manage it and like really, you know, learn about, um, these, these animals. And so I feel really, really fortunate for that. Cause you know, not everybody learns that way. And I think that, uh, you know, I mean, we all go on our own sheep hunts and it's like, it's hard to know, like full curl, not full curl. Yeah. Last thing you're thinking about is age, right? Well, that age thing was just driven into me. Mm. Um, and it's kind of confusing. It's a confusing world out there because you talk to, you talk to people about it and age, Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, like <laughs> as long as it's full curl, you know? And I mean, I, I respect that. And I think that, you know, the way the regs are, that that's fair and, but, uh, you know, where we learn, I think, is, you know, or who we are as hunters, I think, is all about who we learn from and who we got mm. to hunt with. Mm. And I just feel really fortunate between, you know, the outfitter I work for and the people I associated myself with were very, like, this isn't about killing. You know, yeah. we're up here to have a yeah. good time. This is this is the I Brooks that, Range. Man. We're well above the Arctic Circle. I mean, we're, we're dying as soon as we, it's kind of like the vertical limit in climbing. Yeah. Right? I mean, we're not made to survive up there. Yeah. Um, You're we, correct. we got 10 days worth of food in our backs. It's going to run out. Um, in two months, it's going to be sub zero temperatures and snow. Um, we're going to have to get out of here. Yeah. So we're, we're just on borrowed time and, uh, we're going to make the best of it. So it was, it was pretty cool to learn from those guys and, and to kind of get that perspective of the old school, you know, and I'd say Bob fell into that same category, the old school sheep hunters, Yeah, you know, and, uh, that's really where I think a lot of who I am today comes from. Well, I think a lot of that is, is maybe, uh, 
missing as as hunting has be, has become very popular um it's become like the thing to do especially like sheep hunting has just become this has this this aura that people put on it and and people like feel it's like the pinnacle of all these things where there's there's more to it than that and if you don't have the right person to teach you the right way then you might be fooled into thinking that same way so i i just i just wonder what's your opinion on on how it's been progressing is it going too quickly is it becoming too popular too fast oh well yeah i mean I mean, I'm just one guy, right? I, I, I don't know that uh, my opinion really matters in the big scheme of things, but certainly I would say it's pretty fair to, to make the assertion that it's popular, right? It's, uh, and, you know, I think, I think um, the challenge is, is getting to a point where you can admit you are a part of the problem mm. um, mm. and then finding a way to make positive change, right? So um, I'm right there, right? I mean, I'm, I got an Instagram account. Right. Um, I've, I've stacked up the photos just like anybody else. And, you know, kind of stumbled my way through this social media world. And, um, I think it's been a a real positive things for a lot of things. I mean, I, I mainly use my, my social media for my, for my family. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, but you know, prior to that, I think that we're all guilty in that sense where we want to share our experiences. Um, and I think that that's a good thing. But unfortunately, with the sheep hunting, um, you know, between the magazines, uh, the social media posts, the hype, um, the hype. Right. And I mean, I, I think that anybody who's ever put their hands on a set of sheep horns, especially after the the grueling. nine grueling days yeah. prior to that. Right. We all get it. Um, I think we all understand why when someone does harvest a sheep, they're the f- that's the first thing they're going to post. Right. Is look what I got. Um, but I also think that, uh, what's gotten lost is, is, uh, the reason why we hunt them. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and the reality that, uh, these are not plentiful animals. I mean, they, they've got a vicious life cycle. Um, you know, they, they deal with predation just like any other species they are actually a pretty fragile animal. The people that get to know sheep can understand that. I mean, the winners alone um, can play a huge, a huge aspect. We're seeing it right now, I think, right? And I don't know if in some strange way, if that's like nature's way of, of kind of settling the hype. I think uh, people are going to have to start finding other things to do and be hyping about because, I mean, we got an age gap of, you know, six to nine-year-old rams that are just gone. Yeah. Um, the winners have just demolished them. Um, and so – you know, I, to answer your question, I, I think yes. Naturally, I think the hype is the it's it's gotten too popular. Uh, not that uh, everybody doesn't have a right to chase them and to to enjoy them, but I, I think that the question isn't necessarily about is has it gotten too popular as a whole, or is is the kill too popular? Yeah, yeah that's you know. Right. And I think that um, if you have to be successful in the sense of killing. Um, you're hunting the wrong species. Absolutely. I, I agree. And I mean, I think you could even venture to say that, that you know, you're missing the point, broad spectrum. Yeah. I mean, and again, I don't like to, to talk like I, I know everything, but I get to talk to a lot of people and I get to kind of like feel people out on, you know, they come in and, and uh, they want to know all about what I've done. Well, we just talked about that. I don't get to do much. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you get to kind of see different people's outlooks on it. And, 
some people are, some people get it. Um, but a lot of people don't. And it's unfortunate because I think that a lot of sheep have to die before somebody gets it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I think right where we're at now is you've got winners that have really kind of crushed that age group. And now people are trying to figure out, you know, where where are we going to go? What are we going to do? And instead of figuring out like, Hey, you know, it's been pretty hard on me. We got to give them a break. You know, it's, well, where, where's the best place? Where did, where did they survive the best? Yeah. Uh, let's go there, you know? And I mean, that's just not how I was taught. You know, I mean, we, up in the Brooks range, we would, we'd put a lot of miles on, we'd see a lot of sheep and, uh, we'd see a lot of legal sheep. It wasn't about killing the first legal sheep you you found. And, uh, that's not the world we live in today. I think that, um, naturally, uh, it's expensive, right? I mean, from a figurative perspective of money, um, time away from work, family, um, and I think people would just and get on your body. Yeah. Well, certainly. Yeah. And I think that, uh, the problem is, is all those factors come into play when, when, uh, you're off, you know, hunting, you know, I think it's like, well, spend all this money. Um, you want to return on that money or do they feel you want to return on that money? Yeah. And I mean, that's not, this isn't a business. Right. And yeah. I mean, I know that, uh, Obviously, there's guides and there's outfitters that rely on these animals. Um, and I know that sometimes they get a bad rap, and I'm sure that uh, there's certainly a fair amount of them that maybe don't quite get it. Just like there yeah. are a fair amount of resident hunters that just don't get it. To me, it's not really about that. It, it's more about, you know, it can't just be about the posts that you make when you get home. Yes. It can't just be about... Um, hey, I'm able to come home and, and tell my wife I was successful or my friends that I was successful or my girlfriend that I was successful. You know, I got this reputation to uphold. Um, it can't be about that. And if it's about that, then we're just headed for headed, for, headed for bad days, you know? Yeah. And I, I mean, that's just my opinion, obviously. But Well, I, I agree with that opinion. And I, and I think that's partly why when I put um, our last year's hunt out, um, on YouTube, which is becoming a big thing, um, as far as like putting hunts out, where I wanted an, I wanted it to be where we're highlighting the actual experience. I mean, we didn't get a sheep, you know what I'm saying? But that was the number one. I, I I think that if more people highlight the experience and what it is to actually be out there and what you're really seeing and and some of the misery and all that stuff, and really take that as as the positive, as like that's what you're really going for, rather than the actual animal then it can maybe make that turn where people will really value the experience more than valuing um, the actual animal. And I, and I believe that the number one comment that we've gotten and people are like, I really like that you guys showed how it really is. Yeah. You know, the experience of how many miles you actually hiked and what you really went through, not all the fluffy shit. Yeah. Because that's not what it's about. That's just like one meniscal, like drop in the bucket is the actual part of, of taking the animal where a lot of majority of the time, that's not what happens. Right. You know, I got a crack up out of that guy. Remember he said something about like, I can't get this hour and 20 minutes of my life back or whatever he said, cause he watched the whole video. And he yeah. didn't get one. Right. We didn't get one on right, that, on right. that hunt. And it yeah. was just like, you don't 
fucking get it. Like you yeah. clearly didn't like you were just waiting and waiting, waiting to see an animal get shot. Yeah. And yes. I was like, bro, then th- that's what's beautiful about it is that first off, you still took the hour or whatever to watch it. So thank you for taking that time, even though you hated it. You still took the time to watch it. So clearly something had you drawn to it. But that's not our audience anyway. Yeah. So it's all good. And it was a good lesson for him. He doesn't like sheep hunting. Yeah. Yeah, because that's what it is. Perspective is skewed. Well, and I think too, I mean, it it might be fair to say that, um, you know, we've created that. You're right, Kevin. As a society. Yeah. We've created that. I mean, you look at, uh, I mean, you go all the way back to Lee and Tiffany. Right, I mean, mm-hmm. whitetail freaks. Yeah, right. Yeah. They were the originals. Yeah, right? I love them. Do you They're think cool. they would be where they are today if they didn't have the kills they have? Right, right. right? And oh that was what it was all about. Um, and I mean, that was one of the first like hunting shows that I ever watched, outside of maybe some Jim Shockey stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, we're talking two decades of Definitely. nothing but the kill. It's right. gonna take some time for people to change their perspective. Uh, I don't think it's a cause that, you know, it's, you know, I don't think that's a reason to just give up on it. I think you guys, no. you, you keep doing that. And the next place, you know, hey, we'd like to make a film like that. And I want to kind of do what they did and highlight. That's the change. I mean, that's going to, that's what it's going to take, in my opinion, is, is uh, decades of that. It yeah. took a decade to get there. It's going to take a decade to get back. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I get where you're coming from because I think that it's 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 a shame, you know, and that's one of the reasons why. I mean, I just hate uh, using social media even for my business because I think we've all seen it. I mean, there's always somebody that's got something to oh, say, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, not to get off topic, but you know, we had we had one last uh, last spring, I believe it was. I know we said we weren't going to talk about it, but get COVID. after it, Kevin. COVID, <laughs> COVID right? This, yeah. this topic so is COVID, whatever you want to talk about. COVID hit, um, and uh, you know, Miss Pally did all this riffraff about well, if you're in essential business, and um, I was trying to find ways to, you know, I mean, I'm, I was pushed into a corner, man. You know, yeah. I'm freaking out. I'm like, my wife's like, "What's wrong with you?" Uh, and I'm like, "We're going to lose it all, yeah. right?" I mean, they're going to shut us down. I'm not essential. I've got all these loans, um, and it was a it was a real turning point for me. And I mean, granted, it it didn't end up being what I <laughs> what I thought it was gonna be. But to to the point to fast forward, you know, I made some posts about, hey, we're open. I'll do curbside pickup. I'll drive to your freaking house. Yeah. Um, what whatever I got to do. And uh, you know, somebody made a comment um, about just a real negative comment. I'm not going into too much detail, but I mean, it, it, uh, it was just really not a good comment. You know, basically like you could tell that this person, uh, had potentially lost his job. Um, he just was unhappy in the world. Right. Mm-hmm. And he made a comment that, you know, basically called me out and, and said, well, you know, it's good to know you guys are still essential. And, but you know, meanwhile, around the country, we've got all this stuff going on. And I think, the first instinct was to kind of backlash, right? To be like, dude, you know, come, come at him hard. Right. And, uh, just like this guy with your guys video, right. Uh, I just said, okay, I feel you, you know, um, I'm sure you're in a place right now where you don't really mean that. Right. Um, here's my cell phone, man. Give me a call. Benefit Uh, of the doubt. You were like, yo, I want to get, and he called me. Yeah. And he was like, dude, you're right, man. 
I've been sitting in front of the computer way too much. Uh, I lost my job, you know, so on and so forth. And I just took it out on, you know, your light essentially. Yeah. So, um, I think that just like that scenario, right. I think that guy probably picked it up and, and rolled with it. So, uh, I mean, you know, you, you try to cater to everybody, but you can't. Uh, but I think to the point, your guys is your guys video, uh, we need more of that. We need more of that. And even if you get, I think the fact that somebody said that, I can't get my hour and 20 minutes back. You're damn right you can. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, live so with said, that. That's, that's, gotcha. like, that's yeah. how it's going to be. <laughs> that's yeah. why I was yeah. like, well, thank you. Yeah. First off, for taking yeah. the time. Well, that's what I Whether said you the, love, when I replied. Her. I said, yeah, thank like, you. Hey, I said, thanks, thanks for, for watching. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, I you still watched the whole damn thing. You hated it so much. Yeah. So, but thank you for that. And thank you for taking the it's time. It's a lot but more time and a lot harder to do it and not get one. So. You, you oh know. yeah. Emotionally. No yeah. question. Right. I mean, I, yeah. I think oh. you can't explain that. You just have to do it. Yeah. You have to, yeah. you have to have your ass handed to you. Um, you know, and that's, that's kind of what that comment I made earlier about, you know, you come home and, uh, you know, my wife was like, I'm really sorry you didn't get one. I feel bad. You know, you took all that time and that's your own, that's your only hunt. Yeah. Um, and, uh, my wife is actually, she's, she's actually pretty accomplished. She's, she's, uh, she's killed mountain goats. She's killed caribou bears, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I wouldn't say she gets it like we do. Right. Um, and she even admits that. And so when she makes those comments, you kind of, it, it shows, right. And you're just like, it's not about that, mm -hmm. you know? And I mean, I can tell you, um, I mean, I can go on for, for hours about, about the, the sheep concept in terms of, you know, my story with, with them. But, you know, the, up until this last year, I had four seasons where I'm literally camped on a legal ram by myself um, day eight, nine of the trip, and I can only get seven or eight out of the sheep. But I know he's legal, 100% legal. Um, and I ended up being wrong on one of them because it got killed. Uh, but, you know... <laughs> Talking with my wife, sitting in the tent going, you know, gosh, did I just shoot this thing uh, and come home? Um, or should I keep looking? And, you know, my wife's the first one to be like, if if it's young, just let him go. Like, yeah. I know you'll regret it because of the way I talk, right? right. She knows oh, yeah, I, yeah. She knows you, how you I am. reflect later, you'll be like, nah. And then she, I'll come. She's like, I know you're going to come home. You're going to be, you're not going to appreciate the animal. She's like, don't shoot it, you know? And it's like, hmm. It's exactly what I needed, you yeah. know, and mm -hmm. thank Voice God, thank God for in reaches and, and <laughs> in that <laughs> sense, because, love those things. you know, you're able to get sound advice even when it's from somebody you least expect. Um, but, you know, I think that uh, the full circle sheep thing is it, it'll be OK. Uh, I don't know the, you know, the population, how it's going to do. But I think that with us, with you guys, the right mentality, um, yeah. it'll take some time. But uh you know, if people can see more light in the trip and the experience, I mean, there's people in so many different parts of the world that just the ability to to do a 10-day backpack hunt mm -hmm. uh, would just kill to do it. Yeah. And oh, who, so cares, who cares if there's a sheep at the end of the tunnel? Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, we get a little too caught up in it. And, I mean, that's kind of my point with, I mean, to be fair, you look all the way back to, like, Boone and Crockett, right? Um, and you know, the scoring system in general has yeah. promoted this, right? Right, and Absolutely, uh, man. you know, I mean, 160 inches is the uh minimum for the like two or three year book, I forget what it is, if it's two yeah. or three years. Um, and I mean, 
to a lot of guys out there that don't understand the difference, you know, the significance of 160 inches. I mean, to kill a 160 inch ram is a damn nice ram. Um, you can have a 40 inch ram. I got a 41 inch ram that ain't 160 inches. Yeah. Um, but if you get caught up in letting other people evaluate the significance of right the yeah. sheep, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's just kind of like, you know, don't worry so much about. You know, if it's a five-year-old ram, that's a different story, right? But, I mean, hey, if, if it's a great sheep, you're happy with it, you're going to put it on the wall, um, and you're, you're, you know, you're thrilled about it, you got the great story, that's different, yeah. right? But I think that you just you look back at the, how we've been groomed. Um, and, I mean, to be fair, I, I know these guys personally, so it doesn't hurt. You know, they, they know that I don't mean any ill intent. But you got guys like Bob Castle who, um, you know, he's killed 40 sheep. Right. Uh, and they're all phenomenal rams. Uh, Lou Bradley, you know, he wrote the book Rampage, the trilogy Rampages. I mean, the guy's got like 38 sheep and they average 40 inches. That's crazy. Um, and I mean, th- these guys are and there's a and there's a dozen other names yeah. right, of these guys that got to hunt it back when it was, you know, the, the, the population yeah. was what it was. Um, and I hate to say it, but you get a lot of young guys that want to be those guys Yeah, that want to stack them up. And uh, those days are over. They are. You know, and I mean, if uh, if a man can have one or two, maybe three sheep on his wall uh, when it's all said and done that are quality sheep and, you know, quality memories and another dozen to go with it that you didn't get anything, I think that that's... that's you'll cherish really, that one that's more really than you what will, we, yeah. then you'll cherish 20. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and a little bit of uh, history on the Boone and Crockett thing. I, I read this. I'm pretty sure it's true. Um, the reason that that scoring system happened, I don't know if you guys know this. Um, well, back in the day when there used to be market hunting um, in the 1800s, so they needed to create a way where they would value these animals more than selling them for their meat. So they came up with the idea of the Bruin and Crockett Club so that they could score these animals to give them a value so that hunters would be more selective and choose the older animals instead of just taking all of them or ah. they would take it to market. So I think the initial idea of it wow. um, was, good was correct. It was, was conservation. Yes. It was a conservation effort. Yes. And, and, but eventually mm. after these, these history and these books and people started getting these numbers, then the value of that number turned into something different. You know, whereas originally it was, how can we end this market hunting? But you have all these people that survived for so long, you know, being market hunters. And then how could you turn that into something where they still feel valued to actually take um, an older animal? You know, whereas, well, you'll be in this book, you know, and you're going to get a better score versus just shooting everything that you can that you can't sell anymore. So Mm. a little bit of... uh, history there well yeah and i mean i think that uh the the age aspect is is the easiest thing to get forgot right i mean i think uh i think that makes a lot of sense and i think it's cool history to and it it, it's clear right i mean in the sense of you know conservation and and looking for those more quality animals um and those are the those are the guys that taught me i mean those are the guys that are like hey if you shoot the first legal ram you see on day two it's done that that forty incher that's in the back there that's another eight days away. Um, you'll never know. You'll yeah. never have a chance. And so that that's I think how I was taught. But that's not how everybody learned sheep hunting. Definitely I think not. I think it was kind of a stumble our way through it. And um, what guys like me and you and 
know, the, everybody wants to see is just numbers, right? Yeah. Sure. Number. How many have you killed? Did you get your Ram this year? Exactly. Um, and, uh, there's so much pressure. I just think that, that. It, it's, it's not something to be, um, negative about. Right. But I also think that, you know, finding ways to, to combat that and, and all we can really do is keep, keep doing what you guys are doing and I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And that's, you know, try to resist, resist the temptations of, you know, look at me, uh, yeah. mentality. Um, but the stories can still be told. Um, the memories can still be shared. Uh, you just might have to put a little disclaimer, like just in case you're interested, <laughs> no Ram gets killed, you know, yeah. no, 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 no animals were hurt during the, video, <laughs> the filming of this video. <laughs> you know, I debated on saying that, but I was like, I'm going to catch these guys. I want to watch this. Oh, and I think that's yeah. good. And, and you know, yeah. there's, there's, I've seen some good ones. Um, yours was great. Um, but I've seen some good ones that have that same persona. And I think that, uh, people may not say anything, but I promise you, I, I, it gets through. Uh, I, and I think that it gives a lot of those hunters out there that haven't been successful that have, I mean, shoot, they'd shoot the first legal ram if they saw it. And I wouldn't blame them because yeah. they haven't harvested one, but they're trying to find a way to, to be successful. And I think that, uh, you know, we could all, we've all been there where it's like, why are we doing this? Right. Mm-hmm. Like early on, especially like we suck at this. Yeah. Uh, we ain't seen nothing. Like, what are we doing? It'd be easier just to stay home. Well, that's not what it's about either, right? And I think that when you tell a story like you guys did to that sheep hunter out there that's trying to find his way, um, that's had two or three unsuccessful hunts and hasn't had a chance to get the perspective to look back on those hunts and go, wow, like I got to do it, right? I got to sheep hunt for, uh, you know, 10 days each one of those years. Survived it. And uh, that's just like everybody else. Uh, yeah, we got to normalize that. Like, yeah, hey, this is it, actually normal. And it's okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's okay. okay. It's okay not to kill something, right? That's with hunting, like, everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I go out more times to just go maybe find something or look at something or look at just habitat and critters doing what they do. Yeah. More than I'll ever, ever get a shot at killing anything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I love it. It and definitely has a different spin sheep hunting, though. You know, I mean, if you're going out for caribou, well, I mean, I'm like, yeah. I'm going out there for meat. Like, that's me, honestly. But, I mean, I grew up sheep hunting. I was one of those guys that you're, that, awesome. that my dad took me out. But my dad was, like, a big rock climber. So we we grew up where it was, like, all about the stories of his experience, not killing the animal, just like you're talking mm. about. And then mm-hmm. when I got to go out there and bust my ass and not get animals, we we got to learn and earn it. And then it becomes this sense of pride. But in terms of like harvesting, like there, there's, you know, people that set up blinds on corn and they're feeding their families. And that caribou yeah. hunt for me is a hundred percent about getting an animal. Yeah. Like if I can get back to Anchorage that same day, awesome. But yeah. then yeah. you have these yeah. other ones like our moose hunts and stuff that is just all about the experience. It, I think yeah, it's okay to have a, like that red hands, you know, like I want to go kill a caribou on that is fine. We manage our population great. There's plenty of animals. If we are in the same position that we are with sheep, with caribou, um, where it's become like the the pedestal of hunting and people have a false image of what it's really about. And then people are coming up here trying to just shoot the biggest animal. Then I would have a real problem going out and like harvesting, just going out to harvest, but we don't have that luckily. And we have really good game management for the caribou. And I wanted to ask you about that specifically. 
like what do you think about our sheep management through my gener through my sheep hunting life like more and more areas have turned to drawing do you do you see you know i guess it's two kind of two parts but like the first part is like how do you think the biologists are managing our sheep our and our you know in conjunction with the hunters and the guides and everything and then second part would be do you see like more and more areas going to draw yeah no i mean it, i'm not a biologist by any means and i think that uh that's a it's actually the most important point that i could make about how the population is doing and how it's being managed uh, i if i could say one thing it's that i'm sure they're doing as much as they can do within the constraints of the political aspect right right i mean there's a lot well said. there's a well lot said, there's a lot that goes into that um so i i you know i mean tom loheis i've gotten to know him pretty well he's the head biologist for the chugach um you got eric wall up in the brooks range uh plenty of guys throughout the states that do goats and sheep and all kinds of stuff um you know my biggest beef with the way that we're managing sheep is i took some biology in college mm -hmm. right um, and I actually really like science. I, I think it's great. Um, I'm not a big math guy and uh, history is kind of cool, but uh, science always intrigued me. And, and I remember the fundamentals of science and to, to answer your question as best I can, we don't know how many sheep we have. Yeah. It's tough. And so I sit in my store and I cater to guides. I cater to residents um, I donate to the Alaska Professional Hunters Association, which is primarily guides. I donate to the Resident Hunters of Alaska, which is obviously um, lobby group. You know, it, it's its own entity, right? Mm -hmm. um, both have fundamental aspects in our in our hunting world, and I think they're both good platforms. And uh, you got residents, you got non-residents, you got resident guides, you got non-resident guides, um, and I'm smack dab right in the middle of it, right? I I uh, used to guide. I'm a lifelong resident. Um, I rely on non-residents. Um, so I, I personally feel yeah, a mix. I'm not much of a, you know, pedestal guy, but I would say that I'm probably one of the most unbiased people you could talk to when it comes to what should happen with sheep. Um, and I see both groups saying, well, we want this, we want that, you know, if there's going to be a reduction, if, if things are going to go to draw, it should happen to the non-residents first, uh, vice versa. Right. Well, they, we manage it better. Um, how many sheep do we have? Yeah. Uh, and until we know how many sheep we have, and I, I, it's a, not an easy thing. Yeah. No. Right? Um, I can sit here today and say, like, if they came out and said, hey, we're going to shut down sheep hunting for two years, and we are going to fly the living shit out of the state, and we're going to get a damn good idea of how many sheep we got, uh, I'd be all for it. Mm -hmm. um, and Same I here. think that uh, once we have a general idea – then we can start to talk about who gets what. Yeah. But I think it's premature to say, well, I think we should get this or this percentage of that. Um, of what? Yeah. Like if there's a pie, how much pie is there? Yeah. Right. There I mean, I yeah. like pie just as much as anybody, but if I don't know how much there is, how much can I say I deserve yeah. um, or that I'm going to get? Um, so I feel like they're doing as good a job as they can do. I feel like, um, if I had one wish, and I, it's obviously never going to happen, um, but uh, it would be that it would be about the sheep. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, most good outfitters and guides that I know, they get it. Uh, they're cutting back, um, especially after this last year. 
I know I can name a dozen of them that had, say, six, seven sheep hunters and called more than half of them and said, you're not coming. Push it, push yeah. it back. Yep. Um, and I know just as many of those guys have voiced their opinions to fishing game and said, hey, shut her down. Yeah. Um, but why, right? Because that's what's best for the sheep, right? It, it's not a, That's not what's best for Kevin's inner void, right? I want to go sheep hunting. Uh, I want to go have a chance at them every year. Um, but uh, there's a time and a place for the wants. And right now, I think the sheep kind of need us to – to step up and say, Hey, what, what are we willing to give up here? And, and, uh, I just never, never really understood, um, how we can allocate X number of, uh, sheep press my family there. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> Keep flashing X, up and X number of sheep for, uh, you know, this group and X number of sheep for that group. Um, we can't do that until we know how many we have. So that's simple biology in my, yeah. in my opinion. Now I say simple, that's because I'm not the guy that has to answer to it, but, that's what I'd like to see. Yeah. I'd like to see them forget about whose sheep they are for five minutes, right? For two years, maybe. And, uh, and go pay residents with planes, pay, uh, guides with planes, mm-hmm. um, and get them up in the air and get a, get a survey corridor it out, uh, and figure out how many sheep we got. So we can start to figure out, um, how many we can afford to kill. Yeah. Cause I mean, I think it's pretty safe to say we're killing too many. Yeah. yeah. Um, totally. And so I'm a big believer in, uh, uh, point system in the sense of like not draw. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or not even their general, uh, point system that you see down in the States, but I'm talking like quota, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, you see goats, um, they, uh, they survey those areas Yep. and they say, okay, we feel like we can take, 10 billies yeah, uh, or 10 goats, I should say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're going to put that on a point system and uh, we'll give out 15 to 20 tags. And as soon as that, that quote is hit, it's, it's over. Closed. We're done. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that would work with sheep. Mm-hmm. I don't think we have to go to full draw. I don't think we have to take away that aspect of Alaska that, that uh, everybody in this room I don't know if she did like she yeah. or not. Um, I, think but, she, uh, I think she would. You know, I think uh, we don't have to take that away quite yet. And I don't even think we have to get into that. Well, if uh, we're going to do that, the, the non-residents have to go first, right? It's our yeah. constitutional right. I mean, I'm all about like that kind of stuff. But I think that if, if it came down to it, um, the sheep come first. And I think that uh, if you disagree with that, then you shouldn't have the opportunity yep. to, to hunt them. Absolutely. Yeah, we got to conserve well, the sheep. I, I think the, the biologists and, and Department of Fish and Game, they got their hands full because it's not only the sheep. I mean, you, you think about the king salmon. You think about mm-hmm. the, the clams. Um, you think about the halibut. Uh, now it's the crab. Like yeah. this is just a multiple of studies and time that all these people have to take. And there's obviously some sort of pattern that's happening there where there's been an over harvest of all these different things. And we should be okay as residents to just sh- let's yeah. shut let's shut shut it down like they shut down the kings, yeah. um, they shut down the clam digging, um, they're gonna shut down the halibut, they shut down the, the crabbing. I mean, where does it end? Does everything have to be shut down to people realize like, hey, this is actually we have you to know wait too long to yeah shut don't it wait down. too long right. exactly mm-hmm. yeah. yeah be proactive instead well, of reactive and, and uh, to to that note, uh, I would say um, a lot of people's argument is as I said. Um, well, uh, we're the residents, right? We live here 365 days a year. There are sheep figuratively, 
right? Yeah. Because there are sheep, we should be the first ones to step up and say, no mas. Yes. Right. Yeah. Let's mm. get this under control because they are our sheep. Yeah. Um, and I think you're absolutely right. And that's why I treaded lightly with the, how do I think fishing games doing? Yeah. I think they got, like he said, I think they got their hands full. I think they're yeah. doing everything they can do, but, um, I can still have wishes, right. Yeah. I, I, yeah. And yeah. I can still have ideas, still have but it, I mean, yeah. you look at, you look at the way goats are managed and, um, that's probably one population in the state that's thriving. Mm. I mean, you'll talk to different people and have different opinions, but I mean, I don't think you can argue. Look at how many tags they opened up along the Kenai Peninsula. Oh, yeah. Like, these goats are crushing it, right? They're they're built to just withstand. I mean, you can shoot things five times and they'll still stand there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But uh, outside of that, look at how they're managed, right? Mm. Yep. And I know that down to, for nannies that to be take fair, three from an area or whatever yep, for six yep. years. Yeah. And to be fair, they're easier to survey because they generally live in the same spots. Yep. Yeah. Stand sheep, out. Sheep do too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they move, but yeah. I, yeah. and it's a broader, they live in more broader ranges. Yeah. But I also think that uh, naturally if, if we could come together and I think that one of the reasons why I joined the Wild Sheep Foundation was because just like a lot of people, I got to see what they do in Montana. You know, some of these like average Joe people get invited to go do sheep captures and, and be a part of um, the conservation aspect mm-hmm. of it, right? To collar them and, and to be a part of these animals' lives. I thought that that maybe would be what we would do with thin horns, you know? Um, yeah. Doll sheep. Uh, and it really hasn't been like that. I, I, I don't get to be a part of any study. I don't get to get to even really know what studies they do. Um, and my biggest beef is we collar these animals, right? I mean, they collar sheep. They do sheep captures. They collar them. Yep. Um, and they do surveys. They do do surveys. They 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 pay a lot of times. It's guys, outfitters, air taxis, and they do surveys. They study hard, right? Yeah, they, they do. They do a pretty good job, I think, in the main concentrated areas. Yeah. Um, but they don't necessarily use the information. And that's the frustrating part for me is um, you hear about, well, you know, the Talkeetnas, they lost nine or 10 collared rams Mm -hmm. two winters ago or collared sheep in general. And then I hear from all my guide buddies, man, it's pretty, pretty thin out there. And I'm just like a normal guy talking to a couple of people I know. Um, Shut it down. Use the information, yeah. right? I mean, nobody, it, yeah. I mean, nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna sue you guys. Um, so, and I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe they're getting pulled over here to do. You know, they they've got the king situation that's out of hand. They got a lot of things going on, and I'm sure that's a big part of it. And I'm sure they've had these conversations. I hope they have. Um, they have but man. ultimately, ultimately, um, it's about the sheep. And the non-residents went to one every four here a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, three years ago, I think. I'm more than happy to go one every one every four. I think it would be, yeah. I think it'd be great. Um, if we're four buddies and we all love to sheep hunt, what does it matter? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. And that's the problem is it's, totally. it's not about doubling down or tripling down or killing four rams. It's, hey, if we get one ram between the four of us, and we got awesome. to hike oh, together and, and oh, the, a win, a win, and win, shoot, win, and shoot the shit and and sleep on the mountain and freeze our asses. Talk about off life and, and all that everything. And we get to carry a ram out of here. Uh, that's a hell of a year. Hell yeah, um, it is. Yep. And I just think that that part of it's kind of gotten lost. It's not gone. It's just no. it's gotten it's gotten a little little faded, a little from, blurred, a little blurred. And I think it's just going to be up to us to to help yep. clear it up a little bit. Yeah. 
You know, I felt this like really like this relentless feeling in my heart and gut of guilt because I took a sheep this year and I felt like really excited and proud and the experience I had with Chad and everything we went through and just learning more and more being able to take a sheep. But now time has set in. I talked to a guide buddy of mine and we talked about where I hunted and the Talkeetna range and his guide buddy said it's finished. And I'm like, Oh, I took a sheep out of there. And I was like, you know, we we're talking about it and he was like being really nice about it. But I, I felt like the conclusion of our conversation was like, I kind of feel like I was actually just part of the problem. Like I mm-hmm. just took another sheep out of there that yeah. How needed to survive. Not old enough actually, but legal. Hmm. Yeah. Pretty typical. Yeah. Of that range. Well, I think if right. more people have that feeling. Yeah. So like, yeah. So now that it's like all, thank you for asking Kevin, cause I don't mind being honest about it Yeah. because it looked like a dandy and then it was a dandy to me. And then I took it in and they're like, Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, I felt like I almost don't want to do this again. Like I feel like I don't want to kill another one. I don't even want to do it. Yeah. And I do, but now I have accepted that like, okay, I need to look at this in a broader perspective of the long game. Like I want to take my daughter, Kennedy, who's the closest to adulthood that will be ready to sheep hunt. Maybe one day to kill a sheep, take a sheep. But I don't know if that's ever going to happen. If we keep continuing down the road that we're on. And I have two other kids that maybe one of them may get into it. And I don't know. But I feel like if we keep going down the road we're going, I don't know that there's going to be an opportunity for them or their kids. And <clears throat> I feel like there's a reason why I felt that way. There's a reason there's a, there's like something that like a flag that went off in my mind, in my heart, in my soul that was like, I don't know what I can do different. I can't, I can go, okay, I'm not going to take any more sheep, me personally, but if I go sheep hunting next year with a couple of buddies and we fly out to a really cool spot, I'm going to do my damnedest to make sure we find the right sheep. If we do, and if we don't, cool, totally fine. We know that that's not the, the goal, but like, we're not just going to kill the first one we see like the first, no. like it needs to be like calculated and right and examine the situation and be like, man, there's like no sheep around here, and we found one, one random one. Like there's a sign. It's a sign. It's telling you something. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I had to share that because there's this like torn feeling of like pride and being excited about being able to have like taken a sheep. Because like, let's just face it. Like your your lifetime, there's a lot of guys that are gonna go out there and hunt sheep that aren't ever gonna get one, or have been doing it and haven't gotten one. Um, or guys that have gotten a bunch, there's like a huge range, but it, so it should be cherished, but it's, it's a, it's become like a commodity that's so fragile and so important to preserve that like, you feel like you gotta I, do your part. I feel like I gotta do my part and I gotta make sure that whatever that means that I'm not part of that problem kevin like you said i'll admit i'm with that crew like i didn't know until recently that i'm like oh 
shit, there's a bigger thing going well, on. A lot here. of it is is educating, and I yep. think that's one of the part that we're trying to do, and that Kevin's trying to influence yeah. people that are coming into the store. Like, listen, this is a small commodity that we need to mm-hmm. cherish, and and if you have children and you eventually want to take your son yeah. or your daughter on one, then we need to think about that now. And it's yeah. starting because to spin. it sucks. I can't take my kid to get a king. Because yeah. guess what? There is none. Yeah. yeah. You can't go clamming at Clam Gulch That's like I did deal. because there is none. Yep. You know, like yeah. all these things that I grew up doing, we can't do anymore because guess what? We overdid it. Yeah. And that's like heart crushing to think Alaska, the flash frontier, the big state, the wild, big open country. And then there's like not a a, a resource to harvest. Oh, like, yeah, what are you crazy. kidding me? The place is huge. How could it be? Yeah. No, no, it can be overheard. It can. I mean, look at all of Europe and, and things that happen. And, and then I spin it to a, like a positive. Like, I think this is like a good thing that I feel this way. It's a good sign. It's a good. It's, um, it's like part of maturation. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's like that. The, what, what Dan is trying to convey on like these new people into sheep hunting and you want to convey like, hey, the real experience is out doing it. It's not something you can just like learn over like our video like you can start to see it on our video but you have to experience what you experienced Mm -hmm. you have to grow up like i grew up you have to guide like under like an awesome mentor like kevin did um and experience like all the failures and successes of uh like daniel daniel to get failures are the ones that there and and so it's like such a hard challenge for us as like alaskans to do in the space of sheep hunting I, and but you guys are right like we are overusing resources in yeah. all these other areas yeah. there's no doubt about it uh, yeah. let's take a quick break and uh, give a shout out to some of the sponsors here um another uh, essential business that was still open um during these those days was the treehouse ak uh your one stop dispensary located at 341 boniface parkway uh be sure to ask the bud tender chris there about their deal of the day because there's honestly always something good on deck and guys and gals listen this is where the culture lives at the treehouse their dedication to servicing consumers has been developed through a lifetime of involvement in the cannabis culture they're committed to providing the highest quality products at whatever value your budget affords while always maintaining the deep-rooted principles that have carried them this far their focus is on relationships over transactions and you can always depend on them to treat you with the respect you deserve hit them up at the treehouseak.com and remember, you must be 21 years of age to enter their store. Serrano's Mexican Grill, my personal go-to for authentic Mexican food. It's Anchorage's own new generation of cocina. Recipes are inspired by their rich heritage and family know-how. All their ingredients are made in-house. They have a new tequila bar at both locations now, Tudor and Northern Lights. I recommend the Mescalita. Look. Follow their food truck location on Instagram and check out their daily specials at serranosmexicangrill.com. Tailored restoration, <clears throat> excuse me, flummy tonight, boys. Tailored restoration, 24-hour emergency home services, helping Alaskans restore their dreams since 1972. Services include fire, water, mold, post-emergency cleaning, repair, and remodeling. Tailored has an emergency response number with trained professionals available to help you anytime, day and night. You can check them out in Anchorage, Eagle River, Matsu, or Fairbanks. Hit them up at tailoredrestorationalaska.com. Nice. I want to lighten the mood a little bit. I felt like we got a little, we got uh, deep there. A little deep there, which which was I think necessary um, because it's it's a valid topic that needs to yeah, be broached. Yeah, it, it like really kind of like got 
to my core because like yeah. I wanted to share that and talk about it and I've been feeling it and uh, not to kind of like keep it dragging out. I was just saying like it was cool that you brought it up and we actually like because I was wondering if we were going to talk about that, if we were going to go there. Yeah. I'm glad we did because we went there. Yeah. We, went we went there. there. Hey, 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 Kevin, to your credit, bro, you like elaborated to perfection on your perspective on it. And, and, um, thank you. Like it was what we needed to hear. I, you know what I mean? I wanted yeah. to share that the whole thing. And, um, I think, uh, you know, rounding it out, we're going to do what we can and, and we're going to keep, uh, the sheep hunting. Let's glorify the experience more than the animal. Yep. Right on. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Like Make it last um, forever. What's the craziest thing that's happened at that store? At that store? At your store. Oh, man. Um, the craziest thing. It's in thing. a really interesting spot. Well, I mean, like, you, do, you do realize you know, we got broken into like uh, a year ago almost now. But, really? Uh, I wouldn't say that's as crazy as it gets. Jeez. Um, you know, we get some uh, some pretty incredible people through for sure. Um I don't know, man. I mean, like when when the homeless guy or whoever broke the window, do you like go in there and and steal a really nice jacket because he's cold? <laughs> well, so you know, it's funny because it all comes full circle. Uh, Cherry Lau. During the thank you, Andy. essential essential business only bullshit, because uh, that's what it was. Um, <laughs> I got to I sit in my closed quote unquote closed store and look across the street. Uh, to the bicycle shop, yeah, and nothing against those guys, right? I mean, it just yeah, the luck, the luck went in their favor. Unless you own a weed shop or a bicycle shop, you weren't essential. Yeah, yeah. Um, the treehouse, right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, man. So yeah, they, they, you know, I got to look over there, and I got to kind of go, "What Thank the hell is going on here?" Uh, and you look in the kind of subsidiaries of the essential criteria and bikes. No, thank you. The bikes were. Um, essential because people needed them to get to work. Apparently uh, mm. that's what we're using fat tire bikes for nowadays is we're getting to work. Yeah. So um, I are. decided to contact uh, an e-bike, like a fat tire e-bike, yeah, but yeah. more like hunting brand. Was that the quiet, quiet cat? cats? Nice. So I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm an inch. Oh, yeah. I'm a genius, right? I'm going to bring in these <laughs> quiet cats and I'm essential. Oh, there you go. Except so the margin is awesome on those. Yeah. Things. They're awful. So <laughs> it was like literally the death of me, those bikes. And so I put, a $4,500 fat tire e-bike in that window. Well, I've been there for 13 years and that place has never been broken into. And here I go and I put a freaking e-bike in the window and we get broken into. Uh, and they stole that freaking e-bike. That's what they get? That, that's they stole they that e-bike. Uh, they broke my display case. Uh, Was it working, the e-bike? <laughs> was it even battery charged or what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Leave something The battery on. was charged. Um, so they got away real th fast. They didn't take the charger, but I'm sure they just ordered one. Yeah. Um, and I would say that's that's probably one of the craziest things that's ever happened. Um, I mean, I've seen... That is a pretty good story, though. I mean, like, go figure. I've had people come in uh, <laughs> as, as high as high gets on, on the craziest sorts of drugs and, you know pulling knives and flashing guns and all kinds of weird stuff. Um, but uh, it, it's, it's definitely interesting when you're dealing with that part of town uh, and, you know, the darkness of Alaskan winters. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. that's when things start to get really strange. 
most of the funny stories that I have, I, I probably shouldn't share. All right, we'll, we'll talk about there, that maybe on Patreon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. do a random call. Hey, hey, Kevin, we're yeah. gonna need a story. Yeah, yeah story they're a little, that. they're a little more graphic than I think you probably want to portray. Who's right. the most famous uh, person you sold something to? Oh, that's a good question, Jack. I mean, I try not to pump guys' tires too much with that because I think it kind of goes against my narrative. But is it me? <laughs> um, I mean, I hope so. You know, I, I uh, hope so. It's crazy to you know, and not to get too off that topic, but I think it ties in pretty well. You know, when I get a lot of new guys in, um, especially guys that don't understand what Barney's is, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And the complexity of just like how much business we get from different parts of the globe. Uh huh. Um, I mean, I was that guy at one point. I was kind of like, well, Barney's, you know, I can't. My phone's going to, you know, Bob was like, you know, we get lots of orders from all over. You know, you got to answer that phone and you got to be very presentable and you got to know what you're talking about. Okay. Uh, well, one time I answered the phone and uh, the guy's like, hey, you know, I'm coming up on a brown bear hunt with so-and-so. I think it was like Butch King or one of those guys. And I'm like, cool. I got this, man. I've been there. I've done it. Um, I can work my way through this. And he's like, all right, I'm uh, 6'11". I got a size 16 foot. Um, I've got a 54 inch waist and I'm like, my God, <laughs> like, I don't know that I have anything for you. And I was kind of like, Hey, this actual, this might be pretty easy. I might not be able to help the guy. Right. Carl Malone. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah he's a big outdoorsman, big outdoorsman, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, big fisherman. And, all and uh, as soon as he said his name, I was like, I got to help this guy. Yeah. And so I was like, I tell you what, I don't have anything for you, but I'm going to find some stuff um, and I'm going to get you set up. And so I spent like a week just going through like every supplier I had. Who's got 4X? Who's got 5X? <laughs> um, and I, Who you know, can sell three 2Xs together? And I actually got a boot for this guy. <laughs> I actually set him up pretty good. So, uh, you know, I think it was pretty cool. I never really did get to like meet him. Um, uh -huh. We interacted quite a bit there, uh, you know, you know, in the process of him coming up, he, you know, placed a couple other orders and got to talk to him. And, um, you know, I mean, we get guys like Remy Warren, they come up and they hunt and uh, certainly, um, oh gosh, Jim Shockey's been through a few yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. Has he? That's cool. Uh, Colorado Buck, if you're familiar with him. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say he's probably like the most popular guy, but. Jack Brittingham. I mean, I grew up ja watching Jack Brittingham's uh -huh. videos. Um, I've met him down there at some of our safari club shows. Uh -huh. He walks up with his son, and you're just, it's kind of surreal because yeah. it's like – and, of course, down there at those shows, you you see Shockey all the time. And, you still right? do the shows? You guys still go every year? Well, I mean, we didn't last year because of the, the COVID, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, they're on again this year, so we'll, we'll be back down there. So, yeah, it's definitely uh, – it's pretty impressive uh, how small of a community it really is. Oh, wow. Um, you know, I, you – you think you watch these guys on these TV shows and things like that. I mean, uh, they're people just like, like we are, uh, mm -hmm. and they just want to go hunting yeah. and it's exactly what we'd be doing if we had a ton of money. Yeah. Um, and they probably work pretty hard for their money too. So yeah, we oh, get no quite doubt. a few, we get quite a few guys through and, and I'm sure there's guys that, you know, I didn't even recognize. Sure. Um, I'm not much of a TV guy, especially since I've had kids. I yeah. 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 
I mean, if it's not uh, Frozen or yeah. uh, Mickey Mouse or, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't really get to watch as much TV. So I don't even know who the modern day guys are outside of maybe like Remy. Warren yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I was thinking more something like, did you ever get like Han Solo walking in, you know, like this just like, whoa, you know, like this, like put you in your, you know, put you in your seat kind of like, you know, whoa, how do I talk to this guy? The only guy I had come in that I thought was, it was pretty interesting was, uh, Who's the who's the guy from Sur- like the Survivor Man? Les Stroud. Oh, Les oh, Stroud. Yeah, yeah, Les yeah. Stroud came in one time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. And uh, I knew who he was as soon as he walked in, and I was like, "No shit." Yeah. Uh, and we were. Why kid- would he come in? He could just well, like, so get like a log and. Like I'll a- tell you. <laughs> I'll tell you what. So he, uh, we carry a brand called Hella knives. Uh-huh. They're from Norway. Uh huh. Yeah. And Les Stroud has like a couple knives that he kind of put his stamp on. Uh huh. And he knew that. He knew that we carried Hella. He, oh, okay. he had talked to the brand and said, hey, while you're up there, go pay a visit. And, you know, I got a picture with him holding one of his knives. Yeah, and, yeah. And he signed all the little cartons that they come in for the customers and stuff. Oh, that's cool. Oh, badass. Um, oh, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm not super into the whole, like, Survivor Man. And, yeah, yeah. You know, whatever, that Bear Grylls. I'm not into all that. Uh, but... He was a pretty cool dude. You seem like a guy that just like eats Hot Pockets and watch TV all the time. No, no, that leads yeah. into my next question. How many times have you hit up that Mexican um, food van that's I, right down the street from I don't you? touch Benny's, man. You don't go to Benny's? That place scares me. <laughs> I'm sure it's good. Oh, uh, it's really good. Yeah. Plenty of uh, plenty of employees come and they, they go and they get it. And uh, I'll tell you a little story about Benny's. I, they... They do super well, right? They're like one of the oldest food trucks yeah. in Anchorage. Yeah, like one uh, of the so no, no yeah. discrediting them. And to be fair, you know, I don't want to talk bad about them, but my first experience at Benny's was I was finally like, all right, that looks good. I'm going to go get some. And so I walk across the parking lot. I start, there's a couple people in line and uh, this lady in this like Cadillac pulls up, like black Cadillac pulls up. And uh, she's like, sorry guys, this place is closed. And uh, she's like, I'm the like health inspector for the Muni. And I'm like, all right, uh, <laughs> what's going on? And she's like, you know, you guys don't have running water. You, you know, I've told you you can't operate. You know, it just starts going off on them. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> that's my sign. I'm not ever eating <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, they fixed it. And they, they, they were probably, you know, just I'm sure you owning food, uh, food trucks, I'm sure it's like a, a continuous thing where you have to stay on top of oh, the, yeah, you're coding. Like, and, and just, you know, yeah, to be fair, like these guys just want to make some burritos, man. Yeah. You yeah. know, they're just yeah. trying to make a little money. And, and uh, they probably, you know, and again, they've been there forever. If they were doing anything wrong consistently, I'm sure that they wouldn't be up and going. But shut down, yeah. it's not my thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. a really fair and honest to be, answer. To be yeah. honest, uh, I hardly ever get to eat at work. Yeah. Like, I'm just moving. Better man. believe yeah. that. I mean, yeah. it's like. We'll have to bring you a reindeer dog here. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like I told you, it's like, hey, I'll come down and uh, get a hot dog from you. For me to go down, I mean, that's like, <laughs> yeah, not happening. No. Yeah. Um, does Kevin Dana have a lunch hour? Yeah, Probably not. There's no, 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 no such no. thing as lunch hour. <laughs> no. Uh, what's your favorite game meal to cook at home? For the family. Game meal. Hmm. That's a good one. Um, I mean, if I had it my way on a perfect year, uh, a lot of people don't like to make burger out of sheep, but I do. I do. Yeah. Uh, And I like to do uh, like an Anaheim pepper stuffed with cheese uh, and form a hamburger patty around it. Oh, so it's like on the inside of it? 
put it uh, put it on the Traeger. Yeah. Uh, you know, mm. toast the bun a little bit. Yeah. Um, oh. That's one of my favorite, like, wild game meals. Uh, outside of that, you know, I mean, with kids, you know how it is. It's like it's a lot of pastas and chilies and, yeah. you know, mixing the moose meat, mixing the deer meat. Um, Hot dogs. Are right? you a mayo guy? Mayo? Yeah. Like. Do you like it? Mayonnaise? Yeah. Yeah, I like mayonnaise. <laughs> oh. Thank you, Kevin. Everybody loves mayonnaise except for you. <laughs> I don't You're like, like trying to find that one friend. I'm looking for a friend who doesn't yeah. like mayonnaise. I don't like uh, <laughs> Miracle Whip. Yeah, Miracle Hell, Whip is dude. disgusting. I don't like it. It's disgusting. It is disgusting. Like, what is that shit anyway? I don't know. It's like, is it, does he even have eggs mixed in it? I, I don't think know, but I don't like it. I think it that's looks the white difference, to Brandon. I think it's uh, like uh, it's like a vegetable oil. It, it, it's not eggs. It's like an mm. oil instead. It's not mm. good. I like I would eat it, it if I was like trying to survive. Yeah, yeah, it's but gross. I, if I, yeah. No. All right, real technical question, which I'm sure you get asked at least once a week: merino or synthetic? Oh, that's an easy question. I mean. They both have their properties, right? Um, so we'll get into my drone like spiel, right? Um, as as the industry has shown, obviously most things have switched to merino, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think that when you look at the core principles of merino, I mean they come from merino sheep, which are a completely different breed of of sheep. I think a lot of people don't understand that. So. Mainly, they live in New Zealand, um, and if you know anything about the New Zealand climate, it can be anywhere from sub-20 uh, Fahrenheit to 100 above, and these sheep live in that wool in both conditions. So what I think naturally we think of with wool is we think that wool is uh, going to make us too hot, right? It's too hot. Well, merino is actually really good at uh, cooling you down when you need to be cooled down and keeping you warm when you need to stay warm. Um, and that's probably one of the main properties, I think, of merino that people don't understand. Um, naturally, one of the main positives over a synthetic is going to be that it's naturally antimicrobial. So you can wear that same shirt for, you know, five, six, seven days, maybe even just one T-shirt the whole entire 10-day sheep hunt, right? Is it going to be a little funky shirt? Um but uh, that's the main advantage of a, a, a wool product over a synthetic. On the opposite side of it, uh, synthetics are going to dry quicker, which is a big one, right? I mean, if there's a complaint about Merino, it's that it just doesn't dry very fast. Yeah. Um, yep. So in that sense, uh, synthetics going to crush it, you know, out of, the, out of the park, especially you look at some of these uh, synthetics that are treated with like a polygene, you know, antimicrobial treatment. Um, it can kind of start to bridge the gap. I still don't think that you get the time out of a synthetic in terms of the overall odor perspective, um, as you will a Merino product. And then you see the happy medium and that's, you see companies starting to blend Merino, right? So they're starting to take, um, Merino wool and blend it with synthetics. Uh, and to be honest, the main reason they do it is not the reason you'd think, uh, at least that's my opinion of it. Strength. Merino wool mm. is not very strong, so uh, you start you start to see um, you start to see people come in with this hundred dollar merino wool shirt, and it's got holes all over it. Yep, mm. and, and we don't have moths. Yep, right. Uh, and so what you start to see is that twenty twenty five percent somewhere in there. Generally, they blend it. Sometimes you'll see it only in the high stretch areas. Um, 
and that's kind of a cool concept. Uh, so I don't really know that there's a, there's a, a the right answer in that sense. Um, I just think it's more of a personal thing. We sell mainly Merino wool stuff cause I think that it's going to, it's going to fit the broader spectrum of people. Um, but I definitely think that synthetics have their place. It's just, I think the game that, you know, Under Armour started, you know, mm -hmm. really the pioneers of synthetic yeah. fabrics. Um, we all know what happens when you wear an Under Armour shirt for like yeah. a day, like an hour. You smell like a dumpster. Starts to and smell. you can't wash it out. Right. Yeah. I mean, it no. does, it does wick moisture really well. It does dry, dry out, out really fast, well. Yep. Um, but good grief, right? It just stinks. And so that's where Merino came in. Now, of course, you go back to the days of like Capilene Poly Pro. Those are your synthetics, right? Um, that did a lot of the same stuff Under Armour did. Under Armour just took it to the next level. Yeah, yeah. Was so, that like climb type stuff back then? The the polypropylene type? Sure. Yeah, I would say I mean anything and, outdoors. And, yeah, they were yeah. just using it for, uh, you know, like a, a longer trip. Um, yeah. But it just stunk. But as we know with that crowd, they don't mind smelling. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm. Girdwood crowd? Just saying. Mm. Just saying. Yeah. So what <laughs> oh, do you think about this whole concept that merino wool and wools, like when they're wet, they keep you warmer? Is that something that you get on board with or no? I think the better statement would be that it it uh, is still warm when it's wet. Yeah, sure. Um, and I think that, yeah, sure, there's something to that. I mean, it's, but I think that's, a, that's almost a different um, type of wool. Uh, I mean, I've, I've used Merino wool forever and, and I feel like it does a pretty good job at it. But I think that where that kind of comment comes from is the boiled wool, right? Yeah. Your Filson wool, your, uh, mm. your Pendleton, mm -hmm. yeah. wool rich, the, scratchy right? wool. the old school, like if this gets soaking wet, I wring it out and I put oh, it wool. on, um, and you can't replace that. Yeah. Right. Um, I think that that's where that comes from, and I think it holds true. I think it's it's uh, if you were if you were someone that was you know like living remote, um, and you know you wanted something that's going to last and give yeah. you lots of insulation and stay warm when it's wet, instead of going to what we go with with like puffy gear, right? Yeah. Like an insulated mm -hmm. like a Primaloft jacket or a down jacket. Um, we all know that stuff's not going to last a, you know, a year in the bush. Yeah. Right. That's where the, that's up. where the wool stuff comes yeah. in, I yeah. think. And, but I mean, in the technical fabrics of things, I mean, I don't know if I answered your question, but, uh, well, I don't think there's a real answer. Yeah. I think it's, sure. a oh, I'm sure you just get asked it's a that personal, all the time. It's a personal question. And yeah, it's one of those questions that, you know, again, I just kind of get into that. Here's two sides of the table. Um, you decide. and I mean, most of the time people are going to side with Merino for the sake of, it really is a good product. Um, and uh, I have just as many people that, that like synthetics. Yeah. Well, there's the mix factor too. Yeah. I mean, I, I, my first knowledge of Marina wool was from Kevin at the, the at Barney's when we were going on our first hunt in the mountains in 16. And I got a mix of some Marina. I got a Marina wool t-shirt that I wore this last weekend. It was a first light t-shirt. I love um, and the, this last trip I went out, Prince William Sound wet layering is a big aspect of it because there was big spikes in temperature. There was like cool in the morning, got up to 40 something during the day and wet and then dropped back down to maybe like 30 something in the mid in the evening. So I can say that I personally had, uh, I had a Merino t-shirt or excuse me, I had a 
synthetic long sleeve with a merino over it and a merino hoodie over that. They got drenched between sweat and actual rain because I hiked out with over a 100-pound pack and I didn't want to wear my rain jacket because I was just going to be sweating profusely mm-hmm. with or without it. I just decided, like, I'm just going to rock this thing, the, the layer I had. And, I mean, there couldn't have been any more of a, like, direct field example of the gear getting soaked and how long it retained its heat. And I can tell you right now, that merino wool is why I stayed warm as long as I did once we got back to the boat. And then I stopped moving. And then it was like mm, half hour that I was like, holy shit, I got to get this stuff off. Because yeah. the rest of the guys jumped in the boat and I was still dealing with meat and shifting shit around and doing the whole thing. Then I got inside and I was like, oh shit, I'm starting to get cold. But it took like a half an hour. And I contributed 100% to that soaking wet merino that retained my body heat on it. But... I felt like there was this like perfect balance of having that synthetic that kind of wicked it away and then soaked into that Merino that stayed warm. That kept me at this like perfect, I mean, I could have still gone for like another hour or two out in that shit. Yeah. But I, I contributed to that gear that just regulated my heat and the moisture and all the stuff. Like it, again, the blend, like I had up, I had a pant that was like a mix of polyester merino and then the shirt and then the socks and then everything like you can't really know what is better it's like you gotta buy every product try it out in different scenarios and different temperatures and different seasons and different times and then your culmination of data that you collect is like well i actually don't really have an answer it's like it has its own Got it. Application or fitment, right? <laughs> like, <it. laughs> I, I know. I think I just muddled, mud, I think yep. I just muddled it up yep. even worse. Yep. No, but, nobody uh, knows what to it. do. I, no. <laughs> All right. But, no. <laughs> they just need to go outside. Yeah, yeah. People yeah. need oh, to go just, outside. Hey, man, yeah. use what works for you. Yeah. And yeah. Use you what like you got. And, use yeah. what you got. I did pull up these sheep, though. Look at these things. The merino sheep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those are crazy. Yeah. The bull, some, bull, some cool little, like, little wound up little horns that stick out. Um, a question that we ask almost everyone, um, what is your go-to sleeping bag? Sleeping bag? Yeah. Easy. Synthetic bag. Synthetic bag. Mm. Yeah. I'm an odd duck, man. I mean, I I mean, my yeah, personal buddy. favorite is Kifaru Slick Bag. Uh, I think they make the best synthetic bag on the market, hands down, from a weight to warmth ratio, compressibility. Um, that's... Do you want me to go into like? No, no, no. We yeah. don't. Yeah, Brandon, what, Brandon, can you take over? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's what I. I'm would. all ears. Like, you want to go full geek on synthetic bag? Let's do it. He's down, guys. I'm like, yo, y'all are tripping. I have, I have struggled with it though. I will say, I, uh, I did take some like hydrophobic down pants this year for the first time um, on a sheep hunt, and I, uh, I'm, I'm getting there. I, I really, I really do, um, see the benefits of it, but for me, I've always, there's only, there's the one scenario that I feel above all else is the main reason I always end up taking a synthetic bag. And that's the amount of times that I get in my sleeping bag wet. Wet. Yeah. Um, and then end up being able to not only mentally feel like I'm, I'm going to be okay. Um, but then to, I wake up dry, um, Those are, that's the only scenario outside of packing the darn thing and the weight and, you know, um, some of those trips where things are just super dry and you're like, I could have got away with a down bag for sure. 
I'm just a synthetic guy. We sell okay. way more down bags than we do synthetic bags. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll I'll carry the extra weight. Okay. All right. Uh, weirdest hunting product you've seen come on the market? Weirdest. Mm. Like, what is this for? Do we need this? Interesting. Um, well, Sitka did come out with a product here recently that made Sleeping me- Sleeping bag jacket? <laughs> Made me kind of scratch my head. It actually wasn't their I'm new sleep. It actually it. it actually wasn't the sleeping bag. <laughs> they uh, they made a three quarter length <clears throat> puffy pant. What? Okay, hold on. Right, wait. It's oh, keep it, going. They keep look going. like knickers. It's a th- just <clears throat> below the knee. Okay. Primaloft pant. What was the did they, did you talk to them about the reasoning? I I did not talk to them about the reasoning, and I think it's because I didn't want to know. Yeah, um, it's like everyone wears gators. But or I something. I will say that uh, Sitka. I really like Sitka. I I think it's a great company. I, I'm a big like original guy. Um, mm. You know, they were one of the originals, and I know their story and. I, I may not like where they are today, but I, I just like them as a company. And I think that uh, they make a lot of cool products, but they're one of the companies that every now and again, they come out with something and I'm just like, we're going to change things up here. Interesting. Um, now, do they start that like um, Capri? They, I mean, they already, I think they already thing? discontinued it. Um, oh, okay. okay. Yeah. It was like a one, it was like a one season thing, maybe two years and they did away with it. And I think they realized that, you know, I think what they were trying to do is go after that ultralight game oh, okay. of like, okay, yeah, we just shaved off uh, three grams off each leg and <laughs> it's going to sell. Yeah. Um, but in reality, it, they should have just made a full pant. And, uh, and, and it, when you see somebody wearing those, you're just kind of like, hmm. wow. Okay. Yeah. But the I, camera way. Well, I had, a, um, yeah, <clears throat> I, I, <laughs> I, I went out with a gentleman <clears throat> this year that had the three quarter pants from Canis. Canis outdoor. Have you, have you seen Canis? You know about oh, Canis? Um, yeah, boys from North I Carolina. Have, I have heard of the brand. Yes. Yeah, th- it's nice gear. Um, it did I, look I, like. I, it. I saw it in the field. Yeah. I saw a layering system that they developed, and from base skin to touch to to outer. Yeah. To the shell and. Um, I, I was impressed. It, it it withstood, and we got through all the elements. We rain, snow, sleet. The quarter pan, I was very questionable about. <laughs> they made a, a three quarter pan. Yeah, they have it. The capri. <clears throat> that was the first time I saw it. And knickers, I was just like, man, knickers, knickers, mm, knickers. The okay, the knickers. Okay. Um, I. So I don't. I, I have like not the most ideal puffy for the mountain. I have like some Patagonia like fly fishing. Yeah puffies that you just throw on and like under your so i have to actually like take my gator off and take my boot off and like put them on it's sure. like a process but i put them on i stayed warm it was good well chad like throws those like knickers knickers on in like 15 seconds and he's back to glassing while i'm over there for like five minutes trying to fiddle with far fuck ass around with all my gear and i i was like all right well I'm not like saying that. Oh, I gotta have those. I'm saying that, like, functionality wise. You're saying you ordered the Sitka knickers? No, I didn't even know Sitka made them. And I'm a hell of, I'm a big time Sitka guy. Right. Thanks to you, Kevin, because <laughs> first couple of my first pieces I bought. I mean, right. they're tried and true. Got me in sure. and out in the backcountry, and they they worked really well. 
Um, <clears throat> I, I, I watched them throw those things on and get instant warmth insulation. And then the added like convenience of a quick glare up in the moment of like, uh, like sunny, nice. Oh, cool. Glassing to, Oh shit. This storm system just moved in and, and then he slapped that shit on and it was like, bam, he was good to go. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, that, that was like really efficient. The style definitely was weird. That was our lock over there. Yeah. Um, but I'm a gator guy and I kind of was like, well, I don't have to like fiddle with anything. I just slap those on and then I get the whole like, do you really need the insulation from like the knee down to your ankle? Is it like, oh, my calves are so cold. I need to get insulation down there. <laughs> I, I mean, okay. I'm just saying like, <laughs> I, I'm torn. Yeah, I'm torn because like I the, the whole, yeah, I get it. Yeah, like the whole like concept. Is like, I don't mean I don't know if I'm trying to like. <laughs> I don't know what you're trying to do. Justify it or whatever. I, I'm just saying like I'm torn. Like I get it. Yeah. It was weird. I'm like, dude, this ain't like Lululemon, you know? Like <laughs> this is sheep hunting. But at the same time, like it's not that bad of a concept, and it kind of made sense. Like in we'll test it a out. real no, I mean we'll I saw it. it. I saw it get tested out. It worked really good. No, you test it out and get well, back to us. I mean. I'll I make think, it a patient. I still got some of those pants laying around the store, man. I'll come pick some up. I think to your point, <laughs> to your point, it probably makes sense in that in that scenario like where a you, field situation. You have Kevin, gators. You know what on. I'm saying? You have yeah. gators on. I and get boots it. Boots and shit. Yeah. I guess my point is, is having used a full length pant. Mm -hmm. um, there's other times you use those puffies. You know, like let's mm. say, boom, you get pinned out at night, and uh, oh. you got to layer up. Uh, wear that sh in your sleeping bag, right? Oh, yeah. That extra six inches might be it's huge. You know, yeah. How much does that extra six inches yeah. that make it in that full pant yeah. really yeah. weigh? It's yeah. more versatile. Yeah. They're really expensive. But, pants. I mean, I'm with you. I get it. Uh, obviously, there must have been a, a, a number of people at Sitka that were like, this is a great concept. Um, yeah. And maybe at the Canis or Canis, however yeah. you pronounce it. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. All right. What else you got? <laughs> Real quick, when, does Kafaro make a zip up puffy on, yeah. from the from the full zip? Oh shit, it's lost down. park pants. Yeah, they're sweet. What are the, they? Like, I'm still waiting on the full the zip jacket. I know we talked about this. I know, but I know. We'll no, they're not. The they're not. They're not very light. light. They're synthetic, so they're kind of bulky. Yeah. No, it's all good though, man. You get pinned on that. That like you talking about that night pin thing? Oh, yeah. I want them. Yeah. Yeah. Are you a river or ocean fishing guy? Uh, well, I get seasick. Okay. Mm. That so that. I like I like fishing in the ocean. I don't think you can beat if you've ever hit the Silvers and Prince William Sound in the ocean. Oh yeah, it's tough to beat that. Yeah, yeah. I mean that is about as fun as it gets. It's worth being sick. Like Valdez style. Like, <laughs> sure. I mean I I don't go out of Valdez, but oh, I mean Whittier Whittier same. like you know out in not Prince, really actually out out in Prince William Sound. Uh, mm. you know we've gone as far out as uh. You know, like Sawmill Bay, um, mm -hmm. Chaniga, yeah, out in that area. Not quite to Montague, where you turn the corner, but uh, we've gotten into Silver's in that general area where it's like pretty calm, um, tough to beat. Yeah. But I grew up, uh, I grew up, I would say, you know, fishing the Kenai like most people. The Russian uh, back when you could hike to the Russian River Falls and be the only one there. Uh -huh. um, Not no more. And uh, so I really like river fishing. Uh, that's always and quite frankly, I actually I I like lake fishing too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I got a cabin up off uh, Lake Susitna. You know, pulling pulling lunker lake trout through the ice is, is pretty badass. 
Nice. I want to go out there and do oh, a little yeah. drilling with Heck you. Heck yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Get the kiddos I mean, out there. There's some just Goliath. I mean, and those those lake trout are 35, 40 years old. Some of those big just, boys. I yeah. mean, just ancient. And yeah. nobody really keeps them, right? But uh, I don't know. I like it all, man. Yeah, right on. I just don't like getting sick. <laughs> Nobody does. I don't like that, like, know, man, it just, like, swells and just, like, yeah. it's not fun. All right. Last question. When is, when or if does Barney's have a sale so that everyone that's listening can come and buy a new product? Sure. Interestingly enough, um, you know, getting stuff has been challenging, right? Um, and I think that it's always good for a store to have sales just because there's always going to be certain people that just maybe, you know, that they could really afford to save, you know, 10, 15% or whatever it might be. Um, so we're going to have one at Christmas. Um, let's call it for the sake of this podcast. Cause I hadn't really thought about it. Let's call <laughs> it December 1st through the 15th. Okay. Um, uh, that would be our store-wide sale. Um, all Capri. Uh, and it's, <laughs> it's all, yeah. Um, I'll be knocking on the door when you open. Let me get yeah. those Capri's right there. But yeah, the challenge would be, of course, you know, some of the more popular Christmas stuff we're, we're a little low on. I mean, just productions and things like that and getting mm. things has been such a challenge. I mean, I don't know if anybody has dealt with it. And I mean, if you have in your business, but <laughs> every day, I mean, a lot of the, I was telling you a lot of our ski stuff is yeah. freaking, I mean, two, three months behind and it's mm. not, it's not, Brutal. it's not because the product's not made. It's because the, the ships are sitting outside in the ocean. Oh yeah. And two months out. Yeah. I mean, yep. it's just, it's nuts. It's absolutely chaos. But we're not going to talk about that. No. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, I would say for our next sale, that, December first right? to the fifteenth. Okay. Um, yeah. All right, Kevin. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, absolutely, man. man. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Um, if it. you haven't been to Barney's, it is off of Northern Lights, across from the bicycle shop. What's the actual address? Nine oh six West Northern Lights Boulevard. All right. Um, you can't miss it. Um, if you're not a Patreon member, go to patreon.com slash Alaska Wild Project and sign up there. Leave us an Apple podcast review. Um, hit up our website uh, for merch. We might actually have some of that merch coming to uh, Barney's. We'll talk mm. about that a little bit later. Um, Heather's Choice promo code Alaska Wild. Um, if you're trying to get 15% off there. And um, leave us a comment. Hit us in the email. And stay wild, Alaska. You remember my speaking to you of what I call your overcautiousness. Are you not overcautious when you assume that you cannot do what the enemy is constantly doing? The Alaska Wild Project podcast is brought to you by the following sponsors. The Bait Shack, located on Ship Creek upstream of the bridge. Can't miss the bright red shack. They're the go-to fishing gear rental and guide service on Ship Creek. Tight lines and fish on. Come hook into the action with them. Hit them up at thebaitshackak.com. Lawn Pro AK, your year-round professional property maintenance company, providing services such as weekly lawn maintenance, driveway sweeping, snow and ice management, and tons more. Get your free estimate today at lawnproak.com. Anchortown Dogs, located at 4th Avenue across from the old 4th Avenue Theater. Look for the blue and gold umbrella. From reindeer dogs to bomb euros, they've got you covered. Anchortown Dogs, your local gourmet hot dog and sausage cart. Menegato's Accounting, locally owned and operated advisory and tax accounting solutions. Passion, experience, diligence. Learn more at menegatosaccounting.com. Double Shovel Cider Company, located off Arctic and 58th. 
handcrafted Alaskan-made cider. They also have a tap room downtown on the corner of 5th and E. Check them out at DoubleShovelCider.com. Serrano's Mexican Grill. Two locations, one on Tudor, one on Northern Lights. The Northern Lights location has their new tequila bar. Check it out. Also see their daily specials at serranosmexicangrill.com. AKO Farms, located in Sitka, Alaska. Built from the ground up with concentrates as their single motivation. Find their products such as their sugar wax, full-spectrum diamond sauce carts, and more at the Treehouse AK and other dispensaries around the state. Ask your local bud tender about AKO. TheTreehouseAK.com, located at 341 Boniface Parkway. Your all-in-one cannabis and CBD store. Ask the bud tender what the strain of the day is to get your 10% off. The Treehouse, where the culture lives. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be high-performing and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under the influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For the use of only by adults 21 and older. Keep out of the reach of children and marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. Tailored Restoration 24-Hour Emergency Home Services. Helping Alaskans restore their dreams since 1972. Services include fire, water, mold, post-emergency cleaning, repair, and remodeling. Give them a call in Anchorage, Eagle River, Matsu, or Fairbanks. Hit them up at tailoredrestorationalaska.com. 